are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hey! All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday, February 29th. Happy Leap Year. Happy Leap Day to you. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios. If you want to take your career to new heights, you can do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. They've got competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities that provide you with valuable industry experience. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today, and you can earn your degree in just one year. Visit business.louisville.com. Dot edu to learn more. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know us better as the Big X. We're back here on a post-loss Thursday. It's going to be a little bit of a Groundhog Day show once again, but that's okay. Uh, Mike Rutherford here. Roman is here as well, producing the absolute hell out of the show. Roman, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How was your... Uh, Wednesday night. How's your Thursday been? How are you enjoying this uh, this this leap year leap day? Um, my Wednesday night, you know, is about as good as it could be. I guess doesn't sound too enthusiastic. Um, some betting things. You know, Kyrie Irving had mm. four assists before halftime on my parlay. I'm looking at a green line over the mark, and then about two or three minutes later, back down to three, mm. and then he doesn't get one again. Mm. How's that happen? It's tough. That air? I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I, so I was watching the Louisville game when it happened, but I'm obviously watching the Mavericks game cast because I see that he's um, close. Like the game cast on the ESPN app, and then I see that he has four. ESPN says four. DraftKings says four. Then they both say three. I guess they had an error. That's obnoxious. Yeah, very. Don't enjoy that. But outside of that, solid uh, solid Wednesday. Yeah, solid Wednesday. Pretty good, Pretty good Thursday so far. Do you know? So, so this is leap year. Uh, we we do this every four years. We, I, I mean, I don't, do we call it leap day? I know it's a leap year, but I guess technically this is leap day. Do you know Roman why we do leap years? I've heard. I used to know. I've already forgotten. So, here we go. We follow uh, the Gregorian calendar. Okay. Which basically is we we count days. We we count years by how long it takes for the Earth to make a full rotation, uh, to, to orbit the sun, basically. And it's not exactly 365 days, the time it takes the Earth to make one successful orbit around the sun. It's actually like 365 days and like six hours. So those six hours, they don't just, they don't just disappear. So once every four years, we have an extra day on the calendar to kind of recalibrate and to get our cycle back on, you know, back, back on track. Because if we didn't do this, 
you know, the hours would pile up. So let's say, you know, it's July. We live in an area where it's very, very warm in July. If we never had leap years, all those missing hours, they'd add up into days, weeks, months, and then eventually, like a few hundred years from now, July would wind up taking place in like the cold winter months. It would be like in November and December. So that's why we do the leap year once every four years. Get us ourselves back on track, back on the solid Gregorian calendar. If that Does that make sense? That makes sense. There you go. That's why we do it. Uh, it does delay John Rothstein's Rock and March Eve uh, for, for one day, but we are now in the midst of that. We'll set your clock, your alarms for midnight tonight. All the, the college basketball bennies are going to be tweeting this is March and sharing videos about it being March and all this stuff. Um, for us, it's a little bit different around here. I mean, I, I'm kind of just ready to to get on with it <laughs> at this point. It's very strange. It's very rare to have a year where you know most teams in college basketball at the power conference level they're going to play three full regular season games in March, and we are included in that list. Typically, you get to March, it's like, oh, maybe you have a March 2nd home game, maybe you have two games in March, but then you're ready for the conference tournament. This year, it's one of those late tournament years, um, and so Louisville still has three games to play as we go to March. I, I think that most people now are, are wishing we had no games left to play, or that at least some of these three were on the road and not at home, so they didn't feel obligated to go, but that's where we are. Uh, three games in March, and then... In less than two weeks, we'll have the conference tournament down there in Greensboro where everyone's just kind of be, going to be waiting to see what happens next, uh, what the next shoe to drop is. And, and that's what the conversation today is going to be a lot like. We want to hear from you, of course, today on the Thornton's text line. Hit us up at 502-414-1450. Thornton's has the best deals for you all 2024 long, all leap day long. If you want to take advantage, become a Refreshing Rewards Program member today. Download that app. Sign up, and then you'll be saving money at the pump and saving money inside anytime you stop into one of this area's 55,622 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. They're having a great time. They're saving you money. You're having a great time as well. And then you're texting us at 502-414-1450. So we'll talk a lot about the game last night. We'll talk more probably about the big picture stuff, uh, which is, I think, obvious at this point. Uh, I did not... Bet much last night. I only bet one game. It was a small amount because I have a small amount in my DraftKings account. I'm trying not to redeposit. But I did bet on our Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers to cover the spread against Illinois, which they did heroically. I did not, thankfully, I avoided both of us picked uh, the the Auburn to cover the 7.5, and and it was one of those just terrible bad beats if you're a gambler. Because Auburn, it's it's a nip-and-tuck game the entire time. They're right there. It could be anybody's game. And, of course, when Tennessee fades away late, they hit some garbage-time free throws. And they go ahead and they win by eight. So that was uh, that would have been a bad look for me. But thankfully, I stayed away from that. Didn't have a, a Roman bad beat there. But uh, you just a small bet last night on Minnesota. Cash that. Feeling good. Feeling like the mojo's back. And we'll make some big bets uh, later today. Do you have any big bets in mind for for our Thursday? Already? I do. I've okay, got good. some. Now you are. You said this before. You're more of an NBA guy. Do you have you? You're watching the Mavs game last night. What's your? I don't think I've asked this yet. Do, do you have like a, a home team? Oh, I thought you knew this. I'm, I a, I'm a big diehard Lakers fan. You're big diehard. Okay, you're you're a big Lakers fan. Huge, my, huge Kobe guy. My middle nephew will will love you for that. He is a he's a, a diehard Lakers guy as well, and more of an NBA guy. I mean that whole it's the whole generation now of kids. Not not so much you, but like slightly younger than you. Kids who are like 17, 18, 19 right now. I think that you've got a lot of them that have become more professional fans because of, of how bad Louisville has been around here. Uh, they still root for the cards, but it's like, yeah, I had to adopt an NBA team because I wanted to actually watch competent basketball 
and have a team that has a hope of winning a championship. So he's that way too. But yeah, he's a he's a big time Lakers guy, and I kind of keep up with him just just for him. But I don't have a team. You don't have a team. I don't have a team. You have a couple guys. A couple guys. You like, you know. Obviously, I know you love Scary Terry down there. I Miami. love Scary Terry. I mean, I, I cheer for all the former Louisville guys. I yeah, cheer for have the, to. I cheer for the college guys that I kind of fell in love with. And like, I, I do feel like I was more on the, the Steph Curry bandwagon back in the day than anybody. I would watch his old Davidson games. And this is when I was writing uh, about college basketball full-time and also doing, like, just forcing my college basketball takes on Card Chronicle readers back in the day. And, and I would write about this kid, this freshman at Davidson, who like just lit up Elon the night before on Comcast, and I was watching his games. And I think I referred to him as basketball crack one time. So you knew what was coming. I was very excited, and so much so that like my friends got annoyed by it. And then when he made the tournament runs uh, as a sophomore and junior, they would text me and be like, "Oh my god, this 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 Curry kid's unbelievable." But even then, like I didn't, I, I thought he was just so fun because I've never seen anybody play the way that he did. I didn't think he was going to wind up becoming like a a big time NBA player. I, I thought he'd be kind of a niche guy and he would hang around because he could shoot the ball so well. And so seeing him develop into to what he's developed into has been has been kind of fun for me. I've always, so I I have those guys that I, I felt like I was on John Morant like freshman his freshman year at Murray yep. State. I was big time on like you know he's he's still figuring it out. He was kind of the second. I think Campaign was the the best player on that team his freshman year. So he was kind of playing second fiddle there. And I was like, this kid, like, he's going to be something. I don't know how good he's going to be in the NBA, but he's definitely dynamic and he's definitely fun to watch. So guys like that that I feel like I got on early in college, I always find myself rooting for. But I don't have a team. I, I used to I used to say I was a Jazz fan because it pissed off everybody. And, and I was just like, okay, I, I love the hate. I love being the villain here. And so everyone got annoyed when you would say you're a Jazz fan because everybody hates the Jazz. Yeah. But I never really cared that much. I wasn't like watching their regular season games. I was just kind of being annoying to be annoying but I've never had a, I've never had a real NBA team I feel like I need to just adopt one at some point well I think you just keep your sights open for a player you truly you know feel like you love and then if that player is a long-term player for that team then there you go yeah I mean I you know I, I cheer for the Cavs because Donovan's there I, I cheer for wherever Terry's gone he's cheer for Trez would always cheer for Gorgie always uh, but uh yeah it's I've just never I've never had those types of emotions and I've got teams for every other sport so it's just a, they're the one outlier but it probably makes it more fun to watch when you don't have a team. There's something to that. Like I enjoy the playoffs. I also I enjoy the playoffs for as more of a college basketball guy for always being shocked at like, oh my god, this guy's still in the league. Like I like I had no idea that uh, Terry McAuliffe is still play, <laughs> playing in the NBA. Or uh, you, you know, I'm always stunned by who's out of the league and who's who's in the league. That's yeah. when I kind of catch up. But I enjoy the playoffs, and, and also there's not a whole lot else going on in the early summer months. Very but we, we had that going on last night. We had uh, college hoops across the board. Unfortunately, we had Louisville playing Duke. And I'm going to say this for – well, first of all, I've got to address this. I'm staring at the YouTube cameras right now. They're not installed, but they're in boxes right on – I can share a picture if people don't believe me. I can put it on Twitter. The YouTube cameras. I talked with Trey, who's, who's helping us out now on the radio side of things. He's been helping run the TV station for a long time. And he was like, we got the, the YouTube cameras here. We're gonna start the installation process next week. It's gonna be a little bit of a. You know, it's gonna. They're gonna put lights up in here to make it. You know, make us look beautiful and all that good stuff. But it's gonna be a process. But it will start next week. So this is actually happening, folks. You, you, if you want to, if you want to have a visual element to this radio show, if you want to watch me and Roman talk during the show, you're now going to have the opportunity to make that happen. So well, they're gonna be watching me too. I think that they're gonna have cameras in there. I assume they'll they'll be in the production room as well. Interesting. Maybe not. Maybe it'll just be me. But it, yeah, who knows? Well, hopefully we can get both so we can go back and forth. But we'll figure it out. 
It's going to be great. We're excited about it. It's actually happening. It's all happening. This is big-time news for the show. We're very, very pumped. We're kind of pumped. Um, I guess we just get into the game at this point because I don't know how much people even want to hear about the ins and the outs of the actual game, right? Like, like It's just, oh, my God, we didn't defend the three well. Oh, my God, we didn't look like we were that good. Oh, my God, Kenny Payne said the same thing after the game that he said after the last 75 games. But it, it still needs to be discussed because I think there are there is still some sort of I don't think it's a debate, but there's still fear out there amongst a segment of the the fan base that we might wind up getting a third year with this guy. I don't think that last night changed anything. For some people, yeah, I'm always curious to see what people's breaking points are. Like there were some people who were like, "This is a new low." I'm like, "It's not a new low. We were a 20 and a half point underdog and we lost by 25. We did basically what people thought we were going to do." which is get our ass kicked from start to finish and not really put up anything resembling a fight. It was a like look, I was a a made Louisville 3 away from nail, nailing the score. It's like the third time this has happened this year where I've nailed the opponent's score and been by like one or two points off. It's very easy to predict what the opponents are going to do to us. Every now and then you have a weird game like the Miami game, which I, I think looks less and less weird as time goes on and Miami proves to not be a very good basketball team. But for the most part, you you can you can predict how these things are going to go. And last night, for some people to say, well, this is a new low and we've reached a new break. We've lost three straight games by 22 points or more. This is nothing new. This is expected. Like, there was nothing last night that happened that was shocking. Nothing. They made a bunch of threes. We don't defend the three and they shoot the three well. We didn't shoot the ball well from the outside. We're not a good shooting team. We're like 16 of our last 75 from three. And last night, we went three for 17. That's... A little bit abnormal, but it's nothing crazy. We let uh, you know, Mark Mitchell do what he wanted to do against us inside. He did the same exact thing a month ago. The only shocking thing was that Kyle Filipowski only scored nine points, and it didn't really matter because he only took eight shots and he had uh, eight rebounds and six assists. Like He still kind of, I'm not going to say controlled the game, but he did what he wanted to. It's like, oh no, we're going to take him away. Brent Hulley Hatfield was effectively physical with him in the post. And so Filipowski was like, cool, I'm just going to pass to one of these eight wide-open guys on the perimeter, and they're going to knock down threes. Jeremy Roach shot the ball well. Jeremy McCain shot the ball well. Mitchell made a gross left-handed line drive three. They brought in one of their, you know, like end-of-the-bench kids, who I'm sure is the, the son of some CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and he had a three at the end of the game. Like, it was just, it was what you expect in that game. We never put up a legitimate challenge to them. And that's not shocking because they're really good at basketball and we have no idea what we're doing. We tried to throw out some different defenses out there every single time that we've done this. And I think Kenny Payne hears the criticism about if this team can't play man-to-man defense. Why are we not pressuring the ball? Why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing that? And so he does every now and then tries to throw out like a junk defense just to change things up. Every time we do this, every time we switch from a man to a 2-3 or we switch from a man to a one three one, or we switch to a man to a hey, we, I don't know what this is, but it looks like some sort of amorphous blob defense. Every single time, we wind up immediately giving up a wide open layup or a wide open three. And last night, if you saw, if you know what I'm talking about, I think the videos I, I posted it on Twitter. Mark Ennis and I had it on Twitter. We switched to a one three one because it was like, I mean, I don't know. It was like, hey, <laughs> let's try something different. We're down by twenty. Couldn't hurt. Nobody has any idea what they're doing. 
nobody, there's so much open space out there. Like, Duke didn't even have, it took Duke two seconds to realize, like, oh, let's run to one of these gigantic gaps. Someone then run to the basket, two quick passes, boom, it's a layup to Filipowski. That was it. Like, we don't, I don't think we practice these defenses. Or we do, but it's like YMCA bitty ball where Kenny Payne and company are saying, you stand on this X, you stand on this X, you stand on this X, and this is where you're supposed to stand. And then we just don't get to the second part of it, which is how to actually implement the defense. I don't think we scout teams. I really don't. Like, if we do, it never shows up because we don't seem to have any idea of what the opposing players' tendencies are. And this is the most apparent, and this is something we've talked about for the last two years consistently, it's most apparent in the fact that we just let really good shooters take wide open shots from the outside for a full 40 minutes pretty much every single game timeout. If, if if we're guarding a left-handed guy like Mark Mitchell, we never seem to know that he's left-handed. We never overplay anybody to, the, to their strong hand. We just, uh, I mean, some of it is on the players, the effort level, and you know, defense is, is 70% effort. But a lot of times they're playing hard and they just don't seem to have any idea what to do. And that's 100% on the coaching staff. And it hasn't gotten any better. I mean, I guess we're moderately better defensively than we were a year ago. We're still the worst defensive team in power conference basketball. We now, and if you're listening to this, you probably know these stats by now. But last night made it official. We've lost... 20 games three times in the history of this program. We've played basketball for 110 years. Three times we've lost 20 games. It's happened in both years under Kenny Payne. He's now responsible for two of the three 20 loss seasons in the 110-year history of the Louisville men's basketball program. Maybe an even more staggering stat. We've won 12 games in two years. We've won 12 games. In two years. We've lost. By 20 points or more. 14 times. And credit to Corey Price. Who who does uh, UK basketball stats. And comes on KRC. I think on a weekly basis to do trivia. For pulling that out. But it's. like If anybody is trying to argue. That this is okay. Or that this is going to get better. To a point where we're going to be. Competing with the best teams. In college basketball. That's the only stat you need. We are less than two weeks away from the end of Kenny Payne's second season. And we have more losses by 20 points, at least 20 points, than we do just basic wins. It's unfathomable at a place like Louisville that regardless of any circumstances, you could put up those those numbers. If you need more, we've trailed by 15 points or more in 60% of the games that Kenny Payne has coached. Well over half of the games that Kenny Payne has coached through two seasons, we've trailed at one point in time by 15 points or more. Remember when it was like unheard of that we tra- We went three straight seasons under Rick Pitino without losing a single game by double digits. We've lost 14 games by 20 or more, and we're just used to being behind by 15. It's gotten to the point, I mean, Think about the conversations that we were having a month ago where we're losing games by 16 to North Carolina and, and 14 to Duke, and we're like, this is actually pretty good. At any other point, I, I mean, I, I, I'm talking the low points of the Denny Crum era. 
where we're only seven seeds or we're only six seeds, we're limping into the tournament as a, as a 10 seed, the, the, the Rick Pitino NIT teams, even in those years, if we're losing to really good teams by 15 or 16, nobody's talking about how well we're playing. Nobody's talking about this is good, we're making progress. It's the worst thing in the world for Louisville, a bad Louisville team, to lose by 16 in North Carolina or to lose by 25 to Duke. Like, the fact that we're justifying this is, it's still to me just a shocking thing. And I think now that most people see the writing on the wall, which is, and let me say this in no uncertain terms, it is a 99% deal that the week of Louisville's last game, which will be in the ACC tournament, so two weeks from now, we will be moving on from Kenny Payne. They're not waiting for the buyout to drop. They're not waiting to see if uh, you know, Kenny can convince Josh Hurd in a face-to-face conversation that he deserves a third year, getting money together. Like, this is going to happen soon after Louisville loses in the conference tournament, which, by the way, we now are locked into the, the, the 12 to 15 seed range. We can't be, we've got three games left and we already can be no better than, than 12th in the conference tournament. And I'll, I'll, I'll spoil things a little bit here. We're not going to be 12th in the conference tournament. We're going to be the, 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 the 14 of the 15 seed. And in all likelihood, we're going to be the 15 seed. Georgia Tech now is two games clear of us in the conference standings. Notre Dame's won six games. Miami is actually third to last at six and 12. We're alone and last at three and 14. Two full games behind Georgia Tech with three games to play. We're going to be, in all likelihood, the 15 seed playing at 4 o'clock on the Day of Shame, ACC Tournament Tuesday. And whenever we lose, if it's that day or the next day, I think within 48 hours, we're going to move on from Kenny Payne. And it's something to look forward to. Like I, I, know, I know that Kenny Payne is a nice person. I do. I know that he has endeared himself to a lot of people at U of L, and I know because they tell me, like, like this guy, super nice, very easy to work with, one of the nicest coaches we've ever been around. I'm still at a point now where, just based on the way that the, not just the, the way the team has played, but the way he's handled himself with the press conferences, the, the the lack of attention to detail, all this stuff, I'm just ready to just not hear about Kenny Payne anymore. Like I, I, I just, I, I know he won a national title here. I know he's a very nice person. I know he's done great things for the community. I just, I need a little bit of time away from Kenny Payne whenever this ends. I don't want to hear his name. I don't want to think about the post-game press conference. I don't want to think about the way, I, I don't want to think about anything about this two-year period of time because this has been, it's been beyond the word that I used when I was talking about the potential of, of us hiring him in 2018 or 2022, which was disaster. It's been beyond a disaster. The fact that we're, we are 206 in the net rankings. We are on track for back-to-back years where we are going to rank in the 200s in the metric that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses above all others. That's beyond any of our worst fears. We thought two years ago was as bad as it could possibly get. Winning 13 games with uh, Chris Mack leaving in the middle of the season, Mike McGee's taking over, 
We still won a game in the conference tournament that year. We still we started off 4-0 in the ACC that year. We won 13 games, and we thought that was the worst season we were ever going to see in our lives. And we're sitting here now, and it's very apparent that while this season has doubled our win total from a year ago, this is going to be, to be the second worst season that any of us have ever seen in our entire lives. You just can't continue when that's the case. And it's just, it, it, I, I don't want to think about it anymore. I mean, Kenny Payne gets out there after the game last night, and you're wondering if he's ever going to just break a, a little bit and just kind of say, this isn't working, I'm sorry, it hasn't worked. Like he, he, Anything. He, anything along Anything different, right? Like, it's just, he plays the hits after every single press conference. He goes out there last night, and, and, and you know, I'm kind of thinking that this is going to be the night. Like, he's looking a little sullen on the sidelines. I'm kind of thinking he's going to go out there and be like, you know, not say, like, I know I'm going to get fired, but kind of imply that he knows he's going to get fired and that he's sorry that this hasn't gone well and that just it's not working. And instead, it's the same old bleep. He used the word fight, I think, 17,000 times. Like, it's just his answer to everything is got to fight more. They got to fight. They got to want it. And now I'm I'm – Really and truly wondering if he thinks that he's, like, I think he's confusing his life with Yoda. I, it's like that uh, Always Sunny episode where Danny DeVito's character keeps confusing his life with with John Rambo, and they're like, I, I think you like genuinely think you're John Rambo. Like he keeps saying, he said after the the the, the game last week against Notre Dame, where he's like, winning players, championship players, tough players, and the greatest players, they're going to will a guy to miss a shot. Like that's not really how it works. And then last night he says. That he told Trey White in the locker room, you're a good basketball player. You have to will us to win. That's insane. There's no basketball force out there that, that, that exists where he's like, you know, you just have, you got to want it more. Well, I will say LeBron was willing last night if you saw that comeback. But the, the, you have to, it's like you, you have to teach him how to will at least. You haven't done that if that's what you're expecting him to do. There's just never any accountability. And I, I think. Eric Crawford wrote this in his he, he's kind of he's written some variation of the same thing. We're all on the same page where, where it's like we don't know how to say the same things in, in different words that we've already said a bunch of times. I, I wrote the the thing about rock bottom thing in December after the Arkansas State game, and I haven't written a big, you know, overarching state of the program type thing since then. Cause I think I said it all I needed to say at that point. Like there's no point in rehashing it. I I, I just go back and read that thing in December. It's all still how I feel. But, you know, Eric, you know, I think he, he has to write certain things. And so he's written the, the same variation. And he kind of said the same thing in his uh, his story last night for WDRB uh, about you know, this is done, it's over. Um, at some point, like Kenny Payne, he needed to give the fans and, and everybody a, a clear picture of, like, how he was going to fix things. Like, what, what schematically he was going to do to make sure that last season didn't happen again this year. And it's just never happened. It's always just these vague, kind of generic responses where we've got to fight more. You got to understand what that name on the front of the jersey means. You got to play for each other, play for your brothers. They got to understand what it takes to win. Like, there's never any, like, when you hear a really good coach go through a tough spell, they're laying out exactly what's what's not happening correctly. Like, they're laying out, we. This was our game plan. We thought they weren't going to do this. They countered with that. We weren't able to counterpunch because of, of A, B, and C. And we've never once gotten that. I mean, you had, and I hate doing the comparison thing, but it's like it's a natural thing to do. I mean, you had Rick Pitino coming out and just laying his team out a, a week and a half ago. 
and getting a lot of criticism for it. I was just thinking about that. I mean, he's talking about the lack of lateral quickness of his players. He's talking about, you know, they can't do this. They, you know, we haven't come together. All this stuff. And he gets uh, a lot of criticism for it. And I think there were a lot of people who also were saying, like, watch how his team responds to this. Like, this is all a motivational deal. Like, he knows what he's doing. And he did similar things at UofL, where he wasn't afraid to call particular players out and say, like, you know, we've got to do, we, we, we suck at this, they're terrible. And all they've done since then is respond with three straight wins. They beat Georgetown, they hammer a really good Creighton team for a quad one win, and they beat Butler last night. They beat the absolute crap out of Butler last night at Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, by 13. And now all they have to do, they beat DePaul and Georgetown, the two worst teams in the Big East. All of a sudden, they're on a, a five-game winning streak going into the, the Big East tournament. They're 19-12, and 12, they're 11-9 and nine in the conference. If they win one conference tournament game, they've probably got a really good chance of making the NCAA tournament, which seemed extremely unlikely a week ago, but he, you know, that's something that a, a coach who's done this for a long time, he knows the type of response he's going to get. And then he, he plays bad cop one day and then turns around the next game and is like, I apologize. And I, you know, my players mean so much to me and all this stuff. And you can roll your eyes at the hyperbole, deservedly so. It, it, it works. Like, what doesn't work is Kenny Payne saying the same exact thing that he said after every bad loss for the, two, for the last two years. There's just never, there's never any real accountability. It's like he's so unaware of, why things are this bad it's like he he hasn't truly figured out what like where he went wrong and i think that's why we get so much vagueness and so much of a of a bailout in his responses is because he doesn't he he there's no way he knows what went wrong or even worse he doesn't think that anything's really wrong yeah that's what i was thinking like he he doesn't he clearly doesn't think it's as bad as it is like we uh, you know speaking of groundhog day you know we've had these conversations for two straight years where I I know, or at least I think, that he recognizes how bad this is, and that he recognizes that things aren't you know, peachy keen and, and how upset he is. But he never lets us. He never really shows that. Like he never. Like this has to be killing him. It's killing all of us. If you're listening to this as a, as a Louisville fan, I mean, maybe you're listening to it as a, a Schadenfreude happy Kentucky fan, and I get it. But if you're listening to this as a Louisville fan, like this has been killing you. Regardless of how you've handled it, regardless of if you've been firmly in Kenny Payne's corner, if you never wanted the hire, if you wanted him gone after year one, if you wanted him gone after the you know, halfway through year two, or if you're still holding out hope, like all of this has been hard for everybody. And he never really kind of shows that it's it's been that hard for him. And that does, I, I will freely admit, it annoys me. A lot of this stuff has annoyed me. Constantly reminding us that he didn't really want to take the job and had to be talked into it. It annoys me a lot. Like this is a, a, a job that, a lot of coaches out there would crawl across the country to take. And you're sitting there being like, I had to be talked into it. Like, I, I, First red flag. I wish you hadn't been. Like, like you know, All of this stuff. It's, it's why, I don't think it's done intentionally. I don't think it's done with any sort of malice. I, I think he just doesn't know how to play this game at all. I don't think he has any idea what he's doing sitting in the first chair. And because of all of these things, it's why I say, you know, if Kenny Payne wants to come back at some point down the line, of course, like he's not a bad person. We haven't had any sort of scandals off the court. There's been no, no, nothing like that has been talked about nationally. Like we have, we have been only in the news for bad things when it comes to purely basketball stuff. But it's been so bad, and the way it's been handled off the court has been so bad. And the the kind of talking down to the fans and the the divisiveness that's been created as a result of all this has been so bad. I just don't want to think about Kenny Payne anymore for a period of time after these two weeks are over. And whenever what happens next is what happens. I just want to turn... I, I want the blank slate. 
I want something completely new. I want to go in with an open mind with whoever the next head coach is. I want to just forget that these two years ever happened. That's how trauma-inducing this relationship has been. It's just, like, I've never thought, even when things were, like, really bad two years ago, I still was kind of like, you know, I'm going to watch the games. I'm I'm excited to watch the team play. They're still giving effort sometimes. Like, this is clearly a, a terrible situation. But, like, I'm still excited. Like I wanted them to win in the conference tournament. Like when they won the first game and they were playing so well against Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech, like that was fun. And they turned around, they damn near beat Virginia. They lost by one point in the second round. I wanted that run to continue. I'm just ready for this to be done. I don't think I've ever felt this way. Like last year, it was similar, but you kind of knew you knew Kenny Payne was coming back for a second year, and you were just you're curious what was going to happen next. If that team had kept winning in the conference tournament, I would have been fine with it. This year, I'm just like. Again, I'm not rooting actively against the team, but I'm very, very ready to just speed through these two weeks and get on to whatever's next because this has become beyond tiresome to talk about. And nothing changes. His, the, the way the team plays doesn't change. The way that he talks after games doesn't change. Uh, and we found we did find out today that he's not going to do the press conference tomorrow, which is not a great look. Uh, we'll have Danny Manning talking to the media tomorrow at 12.15. It's just like... People like Rick Boses have, have implied or just stated outright multiple times over the last uh, few months that Kenny Payne, he's desperate to keep his job. You know, we, we heard the, the rumors about he's not willing to come to the bargaining table and talk about lessening his buyout. He's, he, he thinks he's going to keep his job for a third year. He wants to be here. He, he thinks we're on the right path. He's going to get this thing fixed. Doing things like not meeting with the media before your third to last game of the regular season just doesn't feel like the actions of a guy who's actively fighting to keep his job. It just doesn't. I think Kenny Payne, in his heart of hearts, is just as ready for this to be over as all of us are. And thankfully, we've only got 12, 13, 14 days left. Let's take a break when we come back. A few parting thoughts, a couple other things as well to get to. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about women's basketball tonight, taking on Florida State on Senior Day, and then we'll get to the text line. For Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and Welcome back in. Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450-961, the Big X. Reacting a little bit to last night's 84-69 to loss to Duke. Uh, again, the stats are staggering. The, the, the numbers are staggering. The actual result last night is not a, a shock. I, I don't think anybody is sitting here thinking, like, oh, we're going to win this game. And even if we had, I don't think it was going to change anything. Uh, the, the game went according to plan. Louisville falls by 25 in a game where they were – Picked to lose by 20 and a half, uh, according to the spread. So, Mike, let me ask you something. Hit me, hit me. Do you Have you heard of the phrase in basketball, the eye test? I have. What's your opinion of it? I, I What think the phrase it, means? I, it's I, not, it's not, there's not a set opinion or a set set meaning, right? Sure. I mean, I, I think it has a it, it has a place in basketball. I think there are certain things. I, I think analytics can take you so far. I, I certainly am a firm believer in a lot of things that are out there. I, I think... When you look at Ken Palm, a lot of times when he thinks a team is is not as good as its record. Case in point, look at Ole Miss uh, that that 
everyone was talking about Chris Beard. They were the last undefeated team or one of the last undefeated teams. And Ken Palm always had him way down there at 58 in the 60s. And uh, eventually he was proven right. Same with Miami this year. Like th- those teams started losing. But I do think there's like, like nothing is fail proof. No- nothing is 100% accurate. I think there are times where the numbers say one thing and you watch games and you're like, I, like this is not reflective of what I'm seeing. This team is better or that player is better than whatever this is, whatever formula has, has produced this thing. So I, I think that there is something to be said for the eye test still. Okay, I'm glad that you said fair? that. Yes, very fair. I feel I feel pretty much the exact same way. The okay. eye test plays a role in basketball that the numbers don't. Like, or There's a role that the numbers don't always show. There's something about a game or a team or a season even that you, know, you can't always tell from the numbers, right? Sure. Louisville, in my... You know, great Louisville opinion. When we match up against good teams, plays up, up. The energy is raised, right? We come into these games. There's, you can tell the players can feel that the game's different than in just some average game. You can tell based on the talk of the fans that they feel. You know, even with a twenty point, um, um, underdog, right? That, that that's still reason to talk. There's still more talk around these big games. And then you come in and you start these games, and then you look at some of these, like some of the matchups of some of the players at some of these big teams. Texas is a great example. Duke's a good example, in my opinion. Some of our guys really look like they can play with most of the good teams that we've played against. Absolutely. And I see certain plays, specific little plays. Hatfield had a play, an up and under. Um, like an up and under over a defender, not a, a, the rim, right? He had just a crazy, crazy good finish and one, I think. Um, Tyler Johnson had one where he just completely babied the defender in front of him, right off of him. One hand, left hand, never touched the ball kind of a finish. Should have been a foul. Different little moments. Scott Clark, you know, crazy amount of separation on a couple different, you know, handoffs, and he did a little yank back that he does in the defender. And I'm not going to say goes flying, but in a different, different coach, different team, like that's enough space to shoot, right? Sure. And I just don't get it. I get so confused when I watch moments where I'm like, wow, there was nothing Duke could have done to stop those two points right there. Nothing at all that they could have done to prevent those two points. Like when you look at the spacing of where they were and how quickly we passed the ball, how quickly the cutter cut and got the ball right, and then the good finish, right? And I just don't get why it's like it happens once every seven minutes, eight minutes of a game you get that kind of moment. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like th- there have been multiple times over the course of this season where we've had stretches against really good teams where you watch them play and you're like, with the right coach, with the right system, with the right attention to detail, like there's more than enough here to be a team that at least flirts with the NCAA tournament. I, mean, I, I think I think succeeds. I, I, I think that, that like I don't want to take it that far, but I, I like my honest opinion is is right there. Like I, I think that we've like we've had teams that have had about this level of talent that have made the NCAA tournament before in years past. You watch even the the time where I think this set in the most for me was like the first eight nine minutes of the Kentucky game, where you know we're playing at home, they're juiced up, and we got guys like that are just kind of going around. And, and part of this is because Kentucky is not a good defensive team, but like we're we're scoring at will on them during the, the opening two segments of that game. Like, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield is, they have got no answer for him inside. He's doing whatever he wants to. Nobody can keep Tyler Johnson in front of them. Sky Clark's doing a good job at getting to the rim. He just can't make a free throw. Like, and you see those, these stretches, and you're like, if they knew how to play defense at all, 
this could be a, 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 a certainly an above 500 team and a team that probably flirts with the NCAA tournament. The problem with watching this particular team is you have those stretches against good teams, and you know that at some point we're going to regress a little bit towards our norm offensively, and you know that the other team is not going to. Duke averaged 1.33 points per possession yesterday, which is an absurdly high rate. When you, when, when every team plays like one of the five best offensive teams in college basketball against you, it means you've got to be one of the best fi- five offensive teams in college basketball to have a chance to pull an upset. And we, it's why you watch these games and you have these great stretches, either when we're keeping it close early on or we're coming back from a 14-point deficit, and you just know that it doesn't matter because we're never going to defend well enough to win those games because we don't know what we're doing on defense at it, all. It, it hurts to watch. It hurts to watch it, this roster. You know, it's one thing when you don't feel like anybody on the team's good enough or if the collective enough doesn't doesn't show enough to you know make you think that they're good enough. One through five, and I really just want to say one through seven, is it, one through seven is a good enough seven players to to be a ranked team in this country with with a competent coach. And I know I've kind of said that a lot on on in different ways on this show and on um, Wake Up Five Hundred Two. But if we could just defend like a Division One basketball team, you, you you I'm not saying we'd be ranked, but you it we it would show it would show that this team, you know. I, mean, I don't even think it's a it's like a fact that people hide or, or try to try to not talk about. Like we are a good offensive team. And because of how bad we are defensively, like when the score was 13 to 17 up until that point, that's when the game ended at 13 to 17. It went to 29 to 13 or something like that, like 29 to 15. You know, they just went on this 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 run where it was not an even two sets of teams anymore. And obviously it, was, it wasn't before then. But in that first, you know, six, seven minutes of the game, the, what you're seeing, you could you would think could go on a whole game, and this is like, oh, those two teams. If you just didn't know anything at all about basketball, and you turn on those first six minutes, you would think Duke's better, but you think it's going to be a, like that the whole game, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of college basketball games are. No, there's always a run coming. Always, you always know it's coming. And look, we have. I, I think we have talented offensive players. We don't run good offense at all. Like, like we, it's what relates to the dry spell. I mean, you know, you had like we're running like three man weave at the top of, of the. You know, five feet beyond the three-point line last night when we're down by 18 with six minutes to play, and it's like... You would the, think we were up 18. What the hell are we trying to accomplish <laughs> here? But I, I really and truly, I know last year the big debate at this point in the season became you know, just how talented are these players. People keep talking about the, the talent Kenny Payne inherited. And, and look, for the people who were saying there's not enough talent on this team to be very good at all, there's... You kind of have a feather in your cap because the guys that transferred to other programs have been by and large, dismal. LLS has had a bad year at Arkansas. Kamari Lance has not done much at Arkansas State. Sidney Curry's been fine at Grand Canyon, but he's still playing as a backup on a really good mid-major team. Uh, the other guy, Roosevelt Wheeler, hasn't done anything. The guys that have been good this year that left Louisville are the guys who left from Chris Mack's last team. Like Matt Cross has had a really good season. Dre Davis is lighting it up for Seton Hall. Uh, but the guys from last year's team, by and large, have been pretty bad at their new location. Jalen Withers hasn't done much for North Carolina. But I, I think when you watch this year's team, like Brandon Huntley Hatfield could play anywhere in America. I wholeheartedly believe that. Like he could play anywhere in America. He has every single skill that you need from a big guy. Uh, he, he plays hard. I think early in the season there were some games where he just kind of was was deer in the headlights and was upset when he he would sort of fold his tent when he didn't get the ball enough on, on the post when he was open. And I get the frustration, but he's played through those frustrations as the years gone on. He's gotten better as a defender. He's really, really solidified himself as a guy who. Whether it's here or somewhere else next year, if he wants to stay for one more year of college basketball, I think can be a really productive 
you know, like third-team all-conference type player in a good league. I think he can be that good for sure. I stand by my belief that Tyler Johnson has the potential to be one of the better guards in college basketball like three years down the line. He has stuff that you just cannot teach. You mentioned the play where he, you know, he shows the ball and goes right around to the guy to the left and finishes and should have gotten a foul call last night. Like that's one of those plays where you're like, okay, like any coach in America can work with this. He has to there are things we have to get better. He has to cut down on the, the the turnovers and the erratic shot selection. He also has to get better with with his outside shot because eventually that's true. people are going to just play four feet off him and just dare him to shoot from the outside because nobody can keep him in front of them. But the outside shot is bad. And defensively it's it's feast or famine. He's gambling a lot. Uh, Sky Clark, I, th- I think he is what he is. He he can be a good player in the right system, and when he plays within his limitations, I think I, I think that Sky Clark still thinks he's much better than he actually is. And maybe if he gets humbled a little bit more as time goes on, and he chooses to just kind of play within himself a little bit more, and not try to make the crazy pass on a crazy drive or the crazy finish that he's he's not capable of doing, I think he can be a really solid college basketball player. The one guy, I mean, because I, I do think there are, are players on this team that has get, that have gotten better. Huntley Hatfield is the biggest example. The one guy who's kind of the opposite, and I hate singling out players like that. Mike James is bad right now. He's not. He has not been good. He's just not. I think the book is kind of out on him. You saw that the first thing that really did this was Steve Forbes from Wake Forest, where they were like, we're going to run you off the three-point line. We're not going to let you catch and shoot. We're going to make you beat us off the bounce because we don't think you're very good at that. And he couldn't do it, and and he hasn't done it since then. Like Teams have not let him be a catch-and-shoot guy who – can either catch and shoot, or if you're off balance and you're late to a closeout, can pump fake you and then get his drive going. Like they're making you beat them in straight man to man, straight line drives, and he's like, like his ball handling hasn't improved at all in the last two years. He's not, but like he, every now and then he finishes stuff, but he kind of tries to do this thing where he just drives recklessly into the paint and throws up a crazy shot and uses his strength to to score or get a foul call. And when he doesn't get that foul call, it just doesn't work. And the outside shot hasn't been falling recently. He's not a good defender at all. Like he, he's always out of position, and some of that I think absolutely is on coaching. He never seems to really know what he's doing. He gives effort. He always plays hard. There's no question about it. He just hasn't been very good for us recently. Like he is, he's the one guy on the team that you look at and you're like, I don't think he's gotten much better since the start of this season, or really since the, the end of last season. And that's that's a shame because I like Mike a lot as, as a player, but he just. He hurts us a lot right now. And then the young guys, I, I, Curtis Williams, I, I think is he's feeling he's in a freshman slump for sure, just cannot knock down an outside shot. To his credit, he keeps shooting. That's what shooters do. Uh, I, I still think that he has the chance to be a really good college player as time goes on. Caleb Glenn, I, I think he can be a Dre Davis type guy in, in a couple of years down the line. He's, like There are games where he's just going to be outsized in the paint and can't do a whole lot, but he's always going to give that effort. Like There are, to sum up the point, like there are enough pieces on this team to where – with the right coaching, with the right staff, with the right scheme, you're winning 17, 18, 19, 20 games. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I, I think the fact that we're 8-20 and 20 is a complete indictment on the staff. I agree. The other thing that, that came up last night, I, I saw people talking about, you know, Kenny Payne doesn't talk to his other coaches. Well, I mean, like, he and, I, I've hinted at it on the show. Like, I think everybody knows, like, he and Nolan Smith have had beef. Like, like they had a... Uh, knocked down Dragon, not a physical fight, but they got into it over the summer, uh, over the, the the Trenton Flowers thing and the Tyler Johnson thing. Like they have not been on good terms. It's why people are talking about you know Kenny Payne. If he comes back, no one needs to be the only assistant that he brings back. I think if Kenny Payne stays, no one's not coming back. 
Like I, I don't I don't know if that relationship can be repaired. They don't talk during games. You see that. Like there's yeah. never any discussion. Nolan doesn't look like he's talking to anyone. No, the only thing he does is talk to the players. He he does a thing where he just like throw. Like, he always just looks annoyed on the bench. He stands up and like throws his hands. Like I can't believe they just did that all the time. Which is that annoys me. Like do some actual coaching. And then he does a thing where he's during a timeout. He's always just like the first one out there, like high fiving the guys. And that's kind of it. Like yeah, you don't see it. That there's never any powwow with uh, with Kenny Payne or the other coaches. Manning's the only one of the full-time assistants that Payne ever talks to. And I think Danny Manning at this point would rather be anywhere in the world other than, <laughs> than Louisville. Yeah. I think he's just ready for whatever's next to, as much as the rest of us are. And Josh, I, I, Josh Jameson was a weird hire at the time. He seems like even more of a weird hire now. I'm not sure what he does. I, I really am not. I mean, Payne works, talks more with the ops guys than he does anybody else. Like He'll talk with Reese Gaines. He'll talk with um, uh, the, the other guy who's down there. Like it, it just seems like a staff that is the, the the dysfunctionality of this team is fully reflective of how dysfunctional the staff is, and it makes Payne's comments at the end of last season where he talked about how he couldn't believe that he got asked the question about making staff changes after a four and twenty eight season because he's he's got the best staff in college basketball. It makes them even more laughable now because this has just been it's a complete cluster. Like Manning, you can say what you will about he, he was not a great coach at Wake Forest. He was a good coach at Tulsa. Like they, they won a lot there. Like Manning at least knows what he's doing to the point where he can recognize when something is 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 effed up beyond repair. And I, I get the sense that that's where he is right now. And I will defend Danny Manning. I know people like to poke fun at him not getting up or looking like he's asleep on the sidelines. According to everybody who's who works at U of L and who's media who goes to the games early, like he's the coach who's out there during shootarounds. Who's kind of pow- he's the only coach out there like working with the team, going over scouting reports, powwowing with the guys. Like, it, like apparently it's him coaching and like Nolan Smith just getting up shots on the other end of the floor is what people always say. It looks like every single time. I do think that Danny Manning is putting in the effort. I don't think that he wants to be here. I don't blame him either for not wanting to be here. Uh, I don't know what's next for him, but it, probably another coaching job. But this staff, even if Kenny Payne got brought back for a third year. I'm not sure he's bringing back any of the assistants. Like there, there would have to be dramatic changes. I, again, and uh, I, I don't think there's any chance that Kenny Payne comes back. But this staff has been—it's been a disaster at every level, and it's the only way that you're in a. It, it has to be a disaster. You don't—you don't win four games and then eight games at a place like Louisville without a full, completely dysfunctional from top to bottom basketball program, and it's been a failure at every level. Players, coaches, support staff program fans everybody everybody has failed i don't think we deserve the blame that kenny payne wants to give us but maybe there's something there all right thornton sex lines 502-414-1450 we'll get to you guys uh after the break it'll be your hour coming up next it's your damn show we love you for it it's the mike rutherford show on a thursday here on 1450 the big x Four o'clock hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1459, 61 The Big X. Producer Roman in the house as well. Roman, do you have uh, social media? 
Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. What's your what's your handle, real quick? Let's give it give it out. To the I wanted to change it before I gave it out. Okay, okay. We we'll, I'll give it out though. It's Romy Bean. R O M E Y B E A N. R O M E Y B E A N. Romy Bean. Okay. I've got some. I got to go through it though. I've got some. I was one of those U of L fans that used to tweet vulgarly, <laughs> and uh, I gotta, need to go through there and and you know go ahead and screenshot those and delete them. And, Get get some of those out of there as I as I make my way into the social media or the sports media world. Well, one of the the hashtags in your bio is uh, F word Real Madrid. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Used to have UK alongside of that, and I went ahead and removed that. Kept the Real Madrid one on there for now, but need to go on. Uh, need to go ahead and uh, maybe change that to something else. What's wrong with Real Madrid? Well, I'm a big Barcelona fan. Okay, I'm a big, big, big Barcelona fan. Soccer is actually my second favorite sport i like to call it 1b but it's 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 really just two number two um above football big javi guy um chavi javi yeah chavi chavi he's he's i'm a big you know he was he was the best midfielder on our team when i fell in love with the sport there you go so i loved him as a player as a coach i, I think he gets too much hate and i wish he was coming back but he's already announced he'll be gone for the next season mm. but barcelona legend for sure Soccer is another sport where I don't really have a team outside of, uh, I mean, I, I cheer for Lucidity and Racing Louisville, obviously here. Uh, I used to cheer for uh, AS Roma in college because I thought it was funny that it looked like it said AS Roma yeah. across the bottom <laughs> line. So that was my own, but, you know, I don't, I'm not following the Italian league that much. Uh, but I, I, the only team, I, I played with them in like FIFA one time. And so I decided like, this is my team. It is uh, West Bromwich Albion. And today I West just Brom. saw him. Yes. Like, like, like I know a, a, a guy who's close friend. Just became like, I guess the guy who bought West Brom today. Really? He has like South Florida ties. He got USF ties, and I was reading the story about him, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of cool." Now I feel like I'm even more. Like, they're in, I think, the championship now. I don't think they. they yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not very good, but they're not. But they're one of those teams that goes. Team. They go up and down. You they know? do. They're they're right there in that teetering range. Too too good for the championship. Not good enough for the Premier League. We could be the next Leicester City. That's the way that I'm choosing to look at. Soccer it. got brought up when I first got on the show. I wasn't I wasn't confident enough to interrupt you or or, or um bring anything up but i got i had a thought about something when you brought up the um ryan reynolds team wrexham wrexham right yes i wanted to ask you if you heard about the coach and i i should have looked up more details about this before i decided to rethink about it and bring it up have you ever heard about the guy in europe there's a soccer team in europe i want to say he's in the netherlands um but maybe it's somewhere else have you so, so have you heard of football manager before you said fifa have you heard of football manager no, I haven't. So football manager is like manager mode on FIFA on complete steroids. Okay. And there's no actual playing. You don't you don't control the players, but you are literally football manager. So you make all the moves and then you make like, like all the moves the and it's and it's very 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 detailed. And okay. like I'm talking money, scouting, you know, you have to hire scouts. Your scouts have I'm pretty sure your scouts have like you know, scouts, you have to pay this scout more if he has disabilities, you know, uh, experience and judgment, right? Struggling then, players' egos. Yeah, you know, and then if a scout will be cheaper. Or a a two-star scout is cheaper than a four-star scout, right? Little things like that. Finances are down to a T. You get to control everything. It basically, it's the, it's the whole entire process of um, running a team, managing a team. Because managers in European football, you know, I'm not trying to go have a full-on soccer debate right now, but managers in European soccer... 
they're a little bit more it's not just a coach you know you're mm-hmm. in control of you you pick who you want to buy and that's a big deal because buying players is expensive and that's a serious thing it's not like it's kind of like signing free agents but you're literally buying them from the other team and they're not free um agents <laughs> but there's this player some coach over in the netherlands he was a guru at football manager that's how he got the job that's how he got found he was you know leaderboards learn the game had some crazy low-level Netherlands team winning the Netherlands League, going to the Champions League, winning Champions League, and it's like all simulation. It's all based on the players he bought, the, the, the young 16-year-olds, play, like, like players he got in his youth academy, right? And he got a real job coaching, a real team. And this team, because he doesn't have a true coaching license yet and hasn't gone through all the works of that, they get fined $100,000 every game he plays. (laughs) And they still pay the fine and let him coach. And he's been like on some crazy, you know, not streak, but won a crazy amount of games out of a certain amount of games compared to the last coach, right? And I just think that that's so insane how he's playing a video game, a simulation video game, got a job, and they're willing to pay the fine every game that he plays. I'll have to look up the details I'm to just, it. But. I, I'm just saying this. Now. His name is Will Still, which is a great name. Uh, he is the the manager of, I don't know how to pronounce this, Stade de Rime. Uh, it, it, it looks like Stade de Rimes, but he got his start coaching after playing the video game football manager. He uh, They're unbeaten in their last 12 matches. Isn't that insane? And most recently had a stunning 1-1 draw on the road against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> uh, of the, you know, the, the French French Power League. That was back in January. Okay, I, I knew that. I didn't realize that was his team. I knew PS, PSG had a, had a draw to a low-level team that wasn't expected. That's him. Netherlands. Wow. That's nuts. So the Netherlands was right. Yes. Wow, that's... that's. I just think, like, I, to put it into context, you know, um, imagine somebody, you know, it's like... There, there, there isn't even a great... There isn't even a great example because of how, you know big sports teams are here but just imagine like some some what's the name of the uh mcdaniels for the for the dolphins dolphins right imagine he does what he's doing right now except he he was playing madden and he got the job from being one of the best madden players in the country we talked about this a a while back about how you know you got mike mcdaniel who you know is very much clearly did not play at a high level you know it looks kind of like nerdy and I, i think you're going to see more and more stories like this, like the, the the guy who just won the Daytona 500, the actor, right? Like he basically said, like he, like he got really, really William uh, Byron, like he got really good playing video playing simulators growing up. Was like how he did. he didn't come up through the oh yeah the, the streamer yeah the, right yeah not actor streamer yeah like I, I like he didn't come up through the 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 the, the, the tracks like the ba- like the young the class system all that stuff like, like that wasn't what he did. Like I think you're going to have more and more stories like that. There are golfers now who are who, who are getting really good and who are qualifying for like the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, you know competing for their tour cards. Who basically said like they learned how to play that like, they take their game to a next level by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. Like you're going to see more and more stories like oh, this yeah. as like AI and, and social media and all these different tools become more and more ingrained in our society and, and get more advanced. I think that's definitely going to happen. Since that will still you know since his story went viral and came out and he got the job and all that like high level coaches like came out because like, they got asked about it their opinion on it and they like names you wouldn't have guessed admitted to playing football manager really like, you know coaches coaches you know 50 plus years old <laughs> well you think about it like a lot of the stuff that you're seeing now 
coaches making decisions uh, based on like analytics and you know, when to go for two and when to not go for two and when to play. Like a, a lot of that stuff is stuff that people who were playing Madden were doing 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, if, if you played the game, you figured out a way to, you know, get the extra possession at the end of the first half. You know, deferring the kickoff was always the right thing to do strategically. Uh, and, and I think it's it's just a lot of stuff. Like if you played more video games, <laughs> I think a lot of people would have a better understanding of of how to handle certain situations. It's not a, a, a end all be all. Obviously, there are things you can't you, you know you can't get a handle of uh, get a handle on yeah, without having on field experience and experience those things for yourself. But I do think there are elements that that definitely could help coaches that come from video games. And I I say this as somebody who has not played video games consistently since like two thousand eight. Not just coaches, not just coaches, players too. Yeah, players. Sure. Your, your sports media presences as well. You know, there's the amount of teams that I just know of and have heard of from playing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a gamer because I believe to be a gamer, you have to play multiple games. You know, like, I guess that's not true. If you play a video game, you know, consistently, you're a gamer, right? But I play one game. I play FIFA. I do stream it on Twitch. But it's the only game I play. I can't play another game for about more than a month before I never play it again. Is your Twitch handle Romy Bean as well? I want to say there's a 13 at the end, but yes. <laughs> no, you got self promotion. Um, and yeah, I've I've like the leagues, players. Like I'll go find some young kid on some, you know, championship the uh, league one in England, and I'll go look him up on Instagram and watch his highlights. And like I've got random players across Europe that I like, and I don't even know one other player on the team that they're on, and it's just because of FIFA. I, I I love FIFA. I, I played it. I would always play. I had friends who had it. Like. Back when I'm in my more social days before kids and stuff, like 10 years ago, when we would go over to people's houses and we'd yeah. go out to bars, like we'd play FIFA a lot. And I love playing it. And there was one point in Great time. Great party game. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic because you can have four guys playing at the same time. But there was one point in time, like when I was living with my, my buddy before I got married, this is probably 12 years ago, where he had the PS4 or whatever it was at the time, PS5. I don't even know what the, the, the system was, but he had FIFA. And he, like, he would leave for long business trips. And so I would just play FIFA. And, like, I created. Like my own guy, I created my own like franchise, like did all this stuff, and it like honestly, playing the game gave me a better like I understood things about soccer that I'd never known before. Like I didn't understand the like the FA Cup or how it like worked in, in coordination with leagues the, and the, points, exactly the point system. Like I, I feel like half of what I know about soccer now I, I learned from playing FIFA for a couple of years. Like that was it. It's it's a it's a good tool to learn to use games. FIFA is addicting too. I feel like if I you know, I'm I'm waiting for my kids to get older so I can have an excuse to play video games again, and I feel like I could be very addicted to that game. Oh, very easily. Mike, I am an addict. I don't blame you. Carlisle United is who I'm playing with <laughs> right now. They're a team over in the championship. I've got like four youth academy players from all across the world, 15, 16 year olds. <laughs> it's a boy. You know, building my team. I'm a coach. I'm a manager. That's what you do. So, do you play the football manager game? I don't stream that, but yes. You play it still? Yes, okay. yes, yes. I play it. It's you know. It sounds fun. It's a it's a nice. 100% distraction. I wish I had more time for time sucks. I'm excited for these kids to get a little bit older so I can finally like give into some vices again. Besides just like one hour of TV a night. Yeah, I've slowly started to like, you know, I don't have the time I had in high school and, and no, you know, certain, certain parts of college where it's once the homework's done, it's already 8 p.m. There's nothing else to do until yeah, class tomorrow. But yeah, I, I just wanted, I wondered if you had heard about that and I thought it's about how story. cool that was. That is, I, I will still. I legitimately want to read more about it. I'm going to bookmark the the story. I'm going to check it out more. First of all, it's a great name. We'll still. have to watch them live. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We're going to give you guys some time to weigh in on whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about Will Still, we'll talk about Will Still. If you want to talk about Kenny Payne, we will begrudgingly continue to talk about Kenny Payne. Texture says, two more weeks, buddy. We can get through this. That's where I am, too. It's just, 
I, I think Crawford kept making reference to the countdown last night. It feels like we're all there right now. Where it's and somebody was hitting me up last night, being like, "You guaranteed we're going to win a game in the conference tournament." Let me set set the record straight. It was not a Mike Rutherford guarantee. Mike Rutherford guarantees come out very rarely. They always occur. They always happen. Case in point, guarantee we're going to win at least five games this year. We won at least five games this year. I have been saying consistently that I think we're going to win a game in the conference tournament. I am not guaranteeing it. I'm standing by that, that not guarantee, but that think. Only, again, no rational reason behind it. I just think that it is too appropriate for the Kenny Payne era for him to delay the celebration of this being done by a full 24 hours. Like that's it's just it's completely on brand because we are going to everyone's going to do the same thing. March 12th is ACC tournament Tuesday. Everyone's going to wake up that day or they're going to post at midnight like today is the day, last day of the Kenny Payne era. Hallelujah. Like what are you doing to celebrate like KP's gone day and we're going to do this whole thing and the team's going to go out there at four o'clock and win. And we're gonna have to do the exact same thing twenty four hours later. Yep. Like, like I, it's just, it's too on brand for him to win that game for it not to happen. We're gonna beat whoever we play. Now I don't even know who it would be. So we're we're probably going to be we're almost definitely going to be the the fifteen seed. I know Georgia Tech's the fourteen. I know let's see Notre Dame and Miami are tied for the thirteen twelve. Boston College is gonna be the eleven. As of right now, Virginia Tech is the ten. I don't I don't like that much up as much. But if we can get like BC. If we can get BC or maybe Notre Dame could play their way up there, we can beat one of those teams. Can we? I believe in B- I believe you about BC. Notre Dame, the way they're trending right now, if they keep be. trending the way they have been the last five, six games. Then. I'm going to say all this. We're going to lose by 28 and just not not show up at all. Now, we do play Virginia Tech next uh, a week from uh, five days, actually, and next Tuesday at home in a return game after they beat us pretty badly in Blacksburg. So we get a better sense of how we match up against those teams. Let me ask you this. So we've got three games that on paper for any normal team are winnable home games. We finish up with home games against Syracuse on Saturday, Virginia Tech next Tuesday, and then Boston College on Senior Day uh, in two Saturdays. I mean, those are three teams. None of those are going to the NCAA tournament. They're, they're all sub-50 Ken Palm teams. In a normal year, we would say, well, we got to win all three of these games. Like you, you can't afford to take a home loss to either of these teams. Do you think we win any of these last three games? Yes. You do? Yes. I, up until the last like week, I would have said, because I mean, I thought we were going to finish, I thought we were going to finish four and four with our last eight games. And we're looking more like two and six right now. We are, we are, over that stretch, we're two and five at the, at the, all right, well, hold on. We are, the math doesn't add up. We're two and four. I'm not sure we're going to win another game. They proved me wrong against Florida State at home. They proved me wrong against Georgia Tech at home. The last three games, though, have been so abysmal. They have. Boston College, the second half was terrible. I mean, we were we were up eight, and we we you know they outscored us by 20 in the second half. We lost by 12. And in the last three games, we just haven't even showed up. 22 point loss, or take it back, 27 point loss, 22 point loss, 25 point loss. I mean. So We're not even competing. I don't. Anymore. I don't. I don't. People put more put put more into the the pit loss than I did. I think you take away twenty of his points, he still has a great game, and it's he it's more of a regular type of a situation. I don't. I think it's just we 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 did what we do bad as badly as we could. Um, and I think I I, I don't know. I just watched that game. I just felt like aside from his his him, you know, Henson, um. I just, you know, I don't, I don't look too much into that one. Notre Dame, though, I think is is that's a pitiful game. That was a pitiful showing. It's all pitiful, Roman. Come on, man. 
And I, but there's no way. There's no loss. way they. You know, I just think they win one. They win one of these games. They might. They 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 might. Um, I I would have felt really confident about it had they played like semi close the last three. They they strike me as a team that wants this to be over just as much as we do at this point. Like the effort level is kind of there, but they're also kind of checked out. They're just. I, I don't think that. If there is a scouting report that anybody's doing, I don't think the players are even looking at it or listening. I don't think anybody's paying attention anymore. I think everyone's planning on what they're going to do for the the, the second half of March. Uh, that, yeah. That's what they strike me as right now. But still, winning a game in the conference tournament would be on brand. Texture says, in regards to the UK football fight video, it's interesting. Oh, there's a KRC text, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's text for us. It's interesting that Matt Jones suddenly has a problem with videos getting leaked, yet he had no problem with KSR leaking the Chris Mack, Eric Wood video from three years ago. Well, I mean, not being hypocritical is not exactly Matt's thing when it comes to rivalrying, which is, he's not alone in that, for sure. Is Matt your rival? No. No, no, no. I've known Matt for a long time. Matt and I did radio when I was in college. I've always viewed him as, like, the Mike Rutherford of Lexington. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, a while ago, people would kind of try to pit us against one another, and every now and then we would kind of lock horns on on social media and, and stuff. But I've never, I, I don't despise Matt or anything like that. I think he's when people meet him, they typically like him for obvious reasons. I think that we have there are differences, but I don't dislike Matt at all. Um, but I, you know, I think he's handled some things differently than I would have, which is that's fine. But. I get where he's coming from as far as the video. Like the the problem with the UK thing, if I'm a UK fan, it's not that players are fighting in the locker room. Like that that happens. It's normal. Yeah, Very it, normal. It, it happens. The problem is you've got dudes recording it and like laughing about it, and like nobody's trying to break it up really until it gets out of hand, and, and the flax kid super suplexes the other kid. Like the fact that somebody's recording this is an issue. Like you, you don't let that stuff get out, and it got out, and it's a bad look for UK for sure. Texture says uh, Kenny Payne during press conferences, <laughs> the the Tyrone Bigsby uh, Chappelle character saying y'all got any more of that fight? That's that, that is how it feels. He's just he likes talking about fight. Texture, I got to see the goat in person last night. Oh, my boy Robbie Avila uh, of Indiana State. Oh, you have thirty five last night. We are setting up for. I know some people get annoyed when I talk about mid-major basketball and my love for championship week well get ready it's going to happen it starts next week i'm very excited about it we are we are hurling towards what could be one of the better individual matchups in a conference championship game in a long time tucker devries of drake is fantastic he scored 39 last night for them robbie avila who looks like like the nerdiest guy at your local ymca but somehow just gets buckets on everybody is is dropped 35 last night for indiana state ISU is number one in the Missouri Valley. Drake's a game behind. There's a chance they could share the regular season title. If they meet in that conference championship game, which would be a week from uh, this coming Sunday, it should be appointment television. It's on CBS. It'll be early in the day. Like That that could be a hell of a matchup. Indiana State-Drake. I'm hoping we get it uh, because they're both very, very fun players, and both those teams could win games in the NCAA tournament. Texter says, Damn, Roman, I thought you were likable, but the Lakers, barf. Hey, you can't you can't control it. I was a kid. Kobe Bryant was hitting these fadeaways and making faces at the camera afterwards. I, I, what could I do? I hated Kobe when he came out. Really? I did. I was not a fan. I was because Kobe became really big like when I was like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and I was like, hey, he shoots too much. He's never gonna be Jordan. Like just, I just didn't like, I didn't like the the brashness 
that he carried himself with. But I, I learned to appreciate it over time. And it kind of changed. It morphed into more of a, I don't know. I do this thing with everybody, though. Like, like you know, and it's easy to, to recognize it now that I'm older. But, you know, when, like, an 18-, 19-year-old kid is kind of like an a-hole in college or they go pro at a young age and they're kind of an a Like, I'm always like, I hate this person. Like, like I hated LeBron when he came out. And then as time goes on, like they they mature and they handle themselves better, and it, like I'm like, oh, okay, I, I kind of like this person. And you realize it's just it's growth. So I feel about Zion Williamson. Yeah, I mean, well, Zion's still doing some stupid young stuff, but he's. I mean, but yeah, yeah he, that's true. But like, when things are going good in New Orleans, he's he's seeming like he's on the right track. He's so fun to watch too, and he's like, you know, when he's in a good mood, his press conferences are entertaining. He's I I've always. Because I mean, now I'm at an age where like all these uh, all these people are, you know, besides LeBron, who's I think is three months younger than I am. Like, like everybody is is like 15, 20 years younger than I am, which is depressing as hell. But still, you look at it from a different lens now when, when you get a little bit older. And Zion is just somebody that I, like, his game, I fell in love with because he's it's so rare. Inevitable. I mean, it, it's so like when do we see things that we haven't seen before anymore with sports? You know, if a, if a crazy thing happens in a high school game in Wichita, Kansas. Like it's the highlights all over YouTube. You're gonna see it that night. Nothing shocks anymore. And when he came out and did what he did at Duke, I mean, he looked like a cinder block bitten by a radioactive spider. Like it's yeah. like people with that body type don't do the things that he was able to do. And it was shocking to watch him play. And I think that's why he, he drew so much attention. He was unbelievable. And and it's still kind of the same thing in the NBA. Texas says, Mr. Mike, please tell us more about competent basketball. I would look. Hopefully, we can talk more about competent basketball in a few months. Hopefully, we'll get there. We will have competent basketball, hopefully, tonight uh, with the UVA women's basketball team. It's senior night. The Cards are looking to bounce back from what was a bad, bad loss over the weekend against Virginia. They are taking on Florida State. Cards down to number 22 in the AI, the, the AP poll, 11-5 and five in the ACC. Home for the final time in the regular season. They're going to host Florida State, who's also 11-5 and five in the ACC. They're going to say goodbye to uh, to Sidney Taylor, Nina Ricards, and Kiki Jefferson, who have all exhausted their co- college eligibility. 8 p.m. is the tip-off time tonight. If you can't make it out to the KFCM Center, you can catch the game on the ACC Network. If you can't catch the game on the ACC Network, you can listen to it on our sister station, 970 WGTK. This is a big game for the UofL women's team. They, they, they just have not played well the last couple of weeks. They've been looking like they're a little bit tight. Uh, Jeff Walls, in his media availability yesterday, stressed the need to kind of play carefree and just enjoy this time of the year. But this is, uh, you know, we've talked for the last couple of months about this team kind of having, you know, maybe being near its ceiling and, and not being a team that can reach the elite of the elite. They can't beat those six, seven teams that seem like they, the favorites to win the national title. And now the way that they've been playing for the last couple of weeks, barely beating Boston College, losing handily a couple of times to better teams, uh, and, and then taking a bad upset home loss to Virginia, you're sitting here thinking, like, I don't know if we can keep the, the Sweet 16 streak going. Like, like, this is a team that's trending towards being a 5 or a 6 seed, and they're not going to get to play at home, it looks like, unless they win the ACC tournament and win these last two regular season games, which would include a, a road win over Notre Dame this weekend. Like That'll be tough. That'll be tough. I mean, they beat them at home a couple of weeks ago, but uh, playing in South Bend is a different animal. Like they need to to figure something out very very quickly if they're going to go to the second weekend of the of the NCAA tournament for a seventh straight year, um, let alone you know, become the only program to go to six straight elite eight. So, I I don't know. Like they just they don't have that star power this year. The I think there's some players who are doubting themselves. It does seem like they've tightened up a little bit as the season has gone on, and hopefully they can they can find something tonight because Florida State's look 
Florida State is fully capable of coming in here and winning that game for sure. Um, yeah, they just they they hammered Boston College in their last game at BC team that almost beat us a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully Jeff Walls and company can get things right tonight. All right, we didn't do a good job with the text line there. We'll do better after the break. We're going to get through some texts. Hit us up, 502-414-1450. Your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, your whatever, and we will talk to you after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Thursday edition here on 1450 The Big X. Back into the show, we mentioned uh, the YouTube cameras. They're in the boxes here. I'm looking at them right now. They're apparently going to get installed at uh, some point next week. I, I didn't, I, somehow I just missed it when I walked in here. We have like the big press conference WJIE 88.5 backdrop out there that's all set up. Uh, Roman, do we know what's happening? Do we, do we know why that's up there? I don't. Is there some major announcement coming that I just don't know about? I haven't heard anything yet. Are you be, is Roman getting his own show? The spinoff already happening? Not yet. Is Not it? yet. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we're, we'll keep you updated. There are big things happening here. We're just not aware of all of them. Uh, there are also big things happening at UofL. Just big losses. Big losses happening. Big text coming in as a result of that. 502-414-1450 is the phone number to text your thoughts into the radio show. We're going to get some more text from you guys coming up. Texture says, we need, uh, we need to time the YouTube cameras for when KP gets fired. Start of a new era. Don't set them up yet. That's actually a good idea. Set the cameras up for you know, March 12th, March 13th, and then we can have a celebratory. The thing is, though, I, I think, let me check this out real quick. The, the ACC tournament, I'm pretty sure, I mean, we're basically, we're not locked into the 15 spot right now, but it's far more likely than not that we're going to be the 15 seed um, this season. And I think the timing of that will mean that like we'll play during the show. If it's like last, I think that like, like last year, I think we played at four o'clock. I'm trying to make sure that I'm right about this. Um, I was wondering yesterday how you go about that. Four thirty will be the 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 tip off time for the fifteen ten game. So that we we probably won't be on the air because they won't want us to compete with the the pregame show, which would tip off at the would start at three thirty. I guess maybe we could start a little bit early. But I mean, does anybody really care that much about, about this? So, like, the thing is, if Kenny Payne gets fired after we lose that game, like, we're not going to be on the air for that. But if it happens, it could we could easily lose on Tuesday. They could wait 24 hours, and it could happen Wednesday afternoon, and then bam, we're on the air talking about it. That'd be a great time for the cameras. I think that that could definitely happen. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to figure out how we're going to handle that. The 12:13 game is the first game at two o'clock, and then we would play the second game. At approximately 4:30 p.m. against the 10 seed, so great stuff there. Uh, Texas uh, also says so. Mike and Roman are taking on Bonnaroo with me this summer. Let's go. If this were actually happening, who would be your favorite acts? Let's look at the the, the list there. 
First of all, wait, how far away is Bonnaroo? I know it's in Tennessee. I don't know where. September usually. No, how? I mean, how far away, like oh. distance-wise, travel-wise? I want to say it's uh, about less than five hours for sure. It's in it's Tennessee. Right. It's about, I want to say, I don't know. I would guess about four and a half, four hours. I'm looking at the, the line up here. First of all, I don't even know who the headliner is the first day. Pretty Lights. Do you, are you familiar with Pretty Lights, Roman? I think I've seen, I've heard of a song, I've heard of a Pretty Lights song going viral. I don't think I've heard. I know what it is though. I'm looking at the the first day, I the Thursday. I legitimately don't know a single act. Like have not even heard of a single Let act. Let me see on, on Thursday there. here. I mean, obviously, I know Post Malone on Friday. I know Maggie Rogers. Uh, I know Interpol. I believe that very first name Thursday is a DJ, like the big okay. big X, the plug. I, I believe is a DJ, but I don't know another name on there either. Uh, I know Friday. We I know more. I mean, T Pain. T Pain, Gary Clark Jr., um, Dominic Fike's pretty popular. I don't know who that is. He's, Sorry, he's a uh, my, my age. Girls my age seem to like him a lot. He's also an actor. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of th- names here. I, I'm looking at this. I mean, I would choose Saturday because I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I like Cage the Elephant a lot. Shout out to Bowling Green. Um, Shout out Cage the Elephant. Saw them at Waterfront Wednesday one year. Nice. And and Forecastle, but. And I've at least heard oh, Gregory Allen Iskoff, I, I, I'm a big fan of. Um, like Sean Paul, obviously, I know. Jean Baptiste. Yeah, but I, I probably. Yeah, I would Saturday pick have Saturday. to be the day. Like, I don't. Sunday, Fred again, I don't know. I, I don't know who Fred again is. I don't know what Fred again, what Fred again is. Me neither. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion, Jason Isbell, uh, Isbell, Carly Ray. I, mean, I enjoy Carly Ray Jepsen. Would love to hear Call Me Maybe live. So Sunday would be a close, not a distant second. Saturday would be my pick. If we're doing this, I'm going Saturday. Let's go. Shout out to Bonnaroo. Texas, who's got a better chance of scoring next? Curtis Williams or Scoots? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great text. Uh, Curtis is in a slump. I think he's what I believe he's one of his last 17 from three. That's bad. Scoots. I mean, at least Curtis is still shooting. Scoots' problem is he just he's he's not trying anymore. He's admitted that he just like doesn't make put in any effort with the, the ladies. He's just given up. He's he's going. He says he's going to at some point. He's like working his way up, but he doesn't think it's going to happen this year. And uh, nothing wrong with that. Well, it, I, I can't respect it. You, you can't. No. Why not? Because I predicted that 2024 was going to be the year of love for Scoots, and he's out oh. there just not even making any sort of effort. Just doesn't care. He just wants to sit there with Gil at his house and just uh, act out TV shows, which I just. Uh, Texture says, uh, YouTube is allowed on my company's network. Time to become more than a weirdo podcast listener. There you go. You don't have to stream. You know, you can still stream the show. It's not allowed on your company's network. But if you, t- how- I don't understand how streaming the show through the, co- the, the, the 1450 The Big X website could be blocked on your company's network, but YouTube would be allowed. Yeah, video social media site isn't, though. That's- Seems strange. But congrats. Welcome to the live listening. It's going to happen. You're going to enjoy it. Texas says, we were promised recruits, we were promised wins, and we were promised spirit children. Do not promise YouTube cameras if you can't deliver our hearts. Uh, they can't take it. Also, who the hell is Roman? Roman's the producer. He's producing the hell out of the show. He's doing great. Um, the YouTube cameras are coming. I- I'm staring right at them. It's an anchor box is what I'm looking at. There's, there are two of them. They've got We've got some uh, extension cords. Real things are happening here. We're going to get it. Texas says, question for Roman. After watching last night's game, 
you still say you would welcome a year three with three top 20 recruits. If so, you smoke, smoke more conscious than the last producer of the show, with all due respect, of course. People really didn't like that take from you yesterday. <laughs> they really didn't. And here's one thing I forgot to mention about that take. When I first came out with that take Friday on the Mike Rutherford Show with Rashawn Myers, co-hosting or guest hosting, I believe, I said if Cooper Flag is one of the three. Okay, that yeah, Cooper Flag playing for Louisville would, would be cool. If if he brings Cooper Flag and two or three other guys, come on, Kenny, I'll give you another year. And I don't know if you remember, I said there were some selfish reasons as to why yesterday, and those are because of, you know, I want to get down there courtside and talk to these guys after the game. If they're here, you know, that's that's excitement. That's you know more ESPN. That's more. Fans, that's more, you know, everything positive outside of actually winning that you can have. It'd be cool. Well, we've never had any talent like that all together at one time on the same team at Louisville. I'll say this. I, I would be more sympathetic to that take and more open to it if we were, like, 15 and 16 <laughs> Reasonably bad good, Reasonable. Yeah. Like, if we were just normal bad. Like, I had a a former L reporter text me last night who no longer covers the team and is doing other sports stuff and he was like I'm watching the game and he was like I'm shocked by how much they look like a normal bad team as opposed to like a historically bad team last year and I responded with just keep watching and we promptly let Duke go on a 9-0 run to, to, to blow open the game and he's like okay I, I get it like the if we were just a a normal bad team where you know we're winning Six or seven conference games this year, 15 season games, kind of the season that I thought we were going to have. And I'm still like, this is bad. I don't think this guy can win here, but he's going to bring Cooper Flag and, and, and a couple other top 15 recruits for next season, which will at least give us a lot of attention and give us something to get excited about. I would be more open to it now. Like, I, I just feel like this is so bad and he's so terrible at what he's supposed to be doing that <laughs> he'd maybe ruin, ruin flags. Draft stock. Yeah, like, like <laughs> I, I don't think I could, could could even get excited about. It. Like I would have no faith in his ability to even get that team to the NCAA tournament. You could give this guy this season's uh, first team All Americans, like all, all five of them, and I know three of them are probably going to be guys that don't have any eligibility left. You could give him that those five guys for next year, and I still would be like, I don't think we could win a national title. You know, Tristan Newton, uh, Hunter Dickinson. Kevin McCuller, like whoever else you want to throw on the the the, the first R.J. Davis, um, Tyler Kolek, like, like anybody in college, five best players in college basketball this year. Bring them back for next season. Give them to Kenny Payne. I don't think we could win the national title. I really and truly don't. And it's why I could not talk myself into really any scenario where he comes back for a year three. I don't think he wins. I don't think I agree. I don't think he'd win a title either. But it'd be cool to watch him struggle into the tournament with that talent. It would it would certainly be a storyline that people would talk about. We we would be discussed a lot more nationally for sure. Texas says U of L versus Duke basketball games were the major attraction to joining the ACC last night. I chose to watch two episodes of Love Is Blind while the game was on. This is by far the longest train wreck of my sports fandom. Luckily, we're a football school. My wife is obsessed with the new Love Is Blind season. She keeps talking about it, um, and I know that our Carmody's younger brother Drake is actually on this season. He's not I don't think he's ever like a main storyline. He gets referenced a couple times. I think you see him in the background. He never but but he's he's on the show this year. So props to Drake Carmody. He's the man. But uh, yeah, I think that's where a lot of people are. A lot I mean if, if I could 
I might welcome watching Little Love is Blind or Vanderpump Rules or something over UFO basketball, but not doing it. Still watching the games. It, it's sad. But it's a fair point. I, I was struck last night by thinking about the UofL Duke games for the first, what, six, seven years that we were in this conference. Like all the emotions that came along with it. Like when they came to your building, just seeing that jersey, you got hyped up for it. You know, we beat them in, I mean, we beat them in 2020 and 2021. It's why it drives me crazy when people are like, like there were people in my mentions last night when I'm posting stuff about the game saying, like, this is all Rick Patino's fault. Like, we've been a disaster since then. Who beat them? Damian Lee? Uh, we beat them in 2020 and 2021. That was post Lee. Lee was 2016. It was like no, the Malik yeah, Williams team, David okay. Johnson. David David beat them. Like, okay, that's right. Like we beat them. It was almost exactly four years ago. We beat them in, in the Saturday night college game day game of the week on ESPN when we were number eleven in the country. They were number three in the country. Like that wasn't that long ago. And people are acting like this has been the same level of cluster bleep for the last five years that it has been for the last two. And it's just not the case at all. We were, again, I know it gets brought up all the time, like we were ranked number one in the country at one point in Chris Mack's second season. That team was poised to be poised to be a four or a three seed. They maybe didn't live up to the, the lofty top five, top ten preseason expectations. At least they hadn't yet, but they could have gotten hot. They were a fun offensive team, and they were winning games like that. Like that game was cra- Even the next year where we ended up being the first team left out of the tournament, the weird – COVID affected season, like we go to Duke and beat them on their home floor. The, those, those games used to, used to just get so revved up for them. And last night, like my son's screaming during the game, my daughter's trying to play, and she's all distracted. My wife's trying to get everybody ready for bed, and I, I'm not even like, I, calm down, everybody. I need to watch the game. Like I don't even care. Like I, I don't care to hear what uh, poor Anish Shroff, who I think is called 75 percent of our games this year, is some sort of punishment or Randolph Childress, what they're saying on the broadcast. Like I, I don't even. I just don't even care about it because I know we're, we're getting our ass kicked. I know we're not going to make a comeback. And I know even if we do, it just doesn't matter. I want I, – I was struck by the feeling last night. Like I, I am so desperate for the next time that we go play at Cameron Indoor Stadium for it to bring back all the emotions that it should, seeing those jerseys against one another. I mean, this is a team that we beat for the national title in 1986. This is a team that we beat to go to the Final Four in the Kevin Ware game in 2013. Like these when, – when Louisville and Duke meet – on the hardwood, it should stir up a ton of emotions for not just the respective fan bases of the two teams, but it should cause waves nationally. This should be a game that people pay attention to, and nobody cared last night that Louisville was playing Duke. Nobody cared. Louisville fans didn't care. Duke fans were like, let's just get this over with. Let's not. Let's make sure we don't hurt our profile. Let's beat these guys down the way that we're supposed to, and let's get ready for a big three-game stretch to end the season and try to get a, a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, And that's sad as hell. And hopefully we can get back to the way it should be very, very soon. Texas says, can we talk about uh, Zion Rose, Lucas Moore, Alexa, Alicia, and Parker Detmers? Freshman class full of studs. Zion Rose and Detmers will be first-round picks in three years. Shout out to Louisville Baseball. I think that this is, like, I think this is the way that it's going to have to be. Like, they're just going to have to to play the youngsters. Like, that seems to be what they figured out these first few games. They've got Youngstown State coming to town this weekend. Hopefully they can keep the good vibes going. But, yeah, I mean, Parker Demers has pitched really well. Obviously, Reed's little brother was a big get. Zion Rose was a guy that they were very excited to get. I think people thought he was a year away. This may have to be his year. So. Are any of these kids local? Um, No, not the ones that were mentioned. We do have I know Corbin Dickerson 
who played at Trinity. He got the start uh, for, for the, a couple of the games against St. Bonaventure. Uh, he's a local kid. That's cool. Yeah, they've got some local guys on the roster like, like they always do, but that the younger guys that are really, really stepping up so far are, I think, mostly guys from, from out of the state. Um, and I, I think that's what it's like. This is how the team is going to have to be. They, the kid from St. X pitched a, a couple of good innings the other day, too, um, whose name escapes me right now. Lucas Moore from Ohio, so he's kind of close. Texture says, oh, no. I lost the text line. Pull it back up. That's my fault. There we go. Texture says, uh, Roman, do you do soccer picks? Yes. Usually, uh, I don't. I, I only get, like, soccer, Champions League, and Europa League. I'll give those out. Okay. So those are only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. Texas says, uh, Roman, good picks in the NBA, but damn it, Auburn burned me. Well, I mean, yeah. we kind of threw out Auburn as like a, a whatever yeah. thing. Texas, Mike, how how do you think things would be different if we hired Payne in 2018 and Mac in 2022? Mac wouldn't have been the guy after the guy with Patino. I, I don't know. I, I mean, that, that's impossible. I, I think that Payne would have been a disaster whenever we hired him. I think that a lot of it would have depended on what Mac would have done in the five years at Xavier or somewhere else before he got to Louisville. I, I don't know. I that, that's I think it would have gone fine. Like Chris Mack knows what he's doing. He's not a bad basketball coach. And if we hadn't had some of the, I don't. I think if COVID never happens, Chris Mack is still here and we're still doing reasonably well. I'm not sure he was ever going to be Rick Pitino or Denny Crum or a guy who could win a national title here, but I think he would have done well enough to keep the fan base mostly pleased for those few years. Now, maybe we would be talking about him being on the hot seat now because we're only getting six or seven seeds, which feels like a dream at this point. Um, but, yeah. I, I, maybe it would have been better. I have no idea. Don't know. Texter says, um, can we just hire another coach without firing Kenny Payne until his buyout drops or he's so insulted that he quits? <clears throat> We're going to hire. I don't know if we're going to hire a new coach before the buyout drops. We're going to fire him before the buyout drops. I feel very confident in saying that. Texas says, uh, Mike, uh, ignorant people don't know that they're ignorant. Texas says, can we all agree to treat this hoops era like Germany treats the 1930s and 40s and just pretend that nothing ever happened? <laughs> we're on vacation. Uh, I, that's This is my plan. Like, I feel like my hope is that 20 years down the line, you know, I'll be pushing 60. Roman, you'll be in your mid-40s. We'll all be able to, to, talk, to, to like, just brush off youngsters who are upset with a team, like, only being a five seed in the NCAA tournament and be like, you don't know the half of it. You don't know what it was like going through 2019 through 2024. Let me tell you a little story about a guy named Kenny Payne and just go into, like, because he's going to be record-setting forever. It's crazy. I mean, whenever we have to go talk about records that, that, that Kenny Payne has broken over the last couple of years, we go back to, like, 1941 and, and all this. I mean, Eric Crawford found the stat. Louisville, from 1914 through 1917, played without a coach and had a, I think, 36% winning percentage. Kenny Payne's won 20% of his games here. Like, so we were, we were quite literally better in the 1910s with no coach than we've been in the 2020s with a, a guy that a lot of the fan base wanted to be the head coach. That's that's how bad things have gotten here. 
Texture says, I know this isn't how it works, but I wish we could announce the new coach on the same day that KP is fired. I'm already almost tired of the speculation as I am talking about Kenny Payne. I'm with you there. I am too. <laughs> I mean, Crawford, wrote, I think, had a had a line about this in his story from yesterday where he was like, you know, there's been so much speculation, so much talk about the coach that the fans may get tired of whoever the new coach is before he actually even gets here. And I think there's some truth to that. We've been breaking down every candidate for, I mean, this year definitely, but even dating back to last season, people were talking about, you know, what do you think about Eric Musselman? What do you think about Jay Wright? Is there a chance that we could get him? Like, what do you think about NATO? It's like all this stuff. And I think that we've been talking about it so long that you are going to have a little bit of fatigue. The other thing that's going to happen is when Kenny Payne gets fired, we've been talking about all these candidates for so long that people are going to be desperate for something to happen so quickly. Like they're going to want that. They're going to want answers. They're going to want buzz. They're going to want names. They're going to want to, to just something to happen. And my fear is that people are going to panic. This happens all the time in coaching searches. Now Like somebody's going to throw a report out there. Somebody's going to try to get paid. They're going to use their agent to, to put a story out there saying, I mean, Pearl did this a couple of years ago. Somebody else will do it this year where it's like, uh, yeah, there's buzz that Louisville's going after Dusty May from Florida Atlantic. And then Dusty May will put a statement out there saying, I'm staying at Florida Atlantic, or I'm taking the Ohio State job, or, or whatever. And the fan base is going to be like, oh, my God, like we're, we're already missing. Like What is Josh Hurd doing and all this stuff? And, and people are going to be freaking out, and they're going to want Josh to just make a hire immediately when the reality is like we're going to be without a head coach before the NCAA tournament even starts. There's a good chance that whoever our next head coach is going to be coaching in the big dance, and if he plays deep into the NCAA tournament, like we're not going to be able to make a move or get reports out there until that happens. So, like, I, I am a little bit worried that the fan base is just, is just going to go insane for that week or two weeks or however long it takes to hire a new head coach. So, it's going to be tough. But everyone just, just you know, let's. We're I, I know we're all just desperate to turn the page and, and find out whatever's next. But let's all just calm down. It's going to happen. Texture says, we need to all be prepared to be more annoyed after the season is officially over because at this point, after as bad as it's been, we shouldn't be expecting Kenny to do anything publicly postseason once he's fired, but stay stubborn. He'll go out saying that he doesn't believe that this is fair. He believed in what they were doing here and believed that they were going in the right direction, and he'll go out completely deflecting any blame and having any sort of accountability till the very end. I'll fully suspect him to put the blame on Josh Hurd in the exact same way that he does the losses of the games on his players. I'd like to disagree, but I keep waiting for Kenny Payne to do the, yeah, this is on me. I'm taking full accountability. He does seem to go kicking and screaming and pointing directions at everybody, but himself after every single loss. So I guess it's like, why should, why is that going to change when he actually gets fired? It does seem like it's like I, the most likely response that we get from Kenny Payne is some variation of, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't get it done. It's on me. But then he spends like five minutes kind of insinuating that he never got a fair shake here, that the administration, you know, he should have given him more time, that if he just had a chance to, to really get things going, then he would have been like, like three years from now, everyone would have been okay. And like, he's also going to, to lay heavily into the, it was a complete disaster. Like you don't know how bad it was when uh, when I got here, and basically imply that, like, this was a, a zero-win situation. Like, there, there was no opportunity for him to get it done. 
he will put it out there that basically no head coach could have could have won at Louisville with the way that things were. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. Texas says, I remember when you all got so pumped whenever you all got any pain in Chris Mack and Kenny Payne, but now they did bad. Y'all turn against them like hypocrites. Remember KP got all those wins in Kentucky, but evidently not. It's somebody who doesn't listen to the show ever. Uh, ever. If, if you think that's what happened when we hired Kenny Payne. Texture says, Kenny was a good person when nothing was expected of him. Then the spotlight was shined on him, and we now see what an arrogant, defiant, and stubborn loser he's turned out to be. We all wasted two miserable years, and yet he'll be laughing it up on UK's bench uh, next year with millions of UofL's dollars in his pocket. I hope we never see his face again. I think it's a little bit strong. A little bit strong. I understand the overall sentiment, but I, th- I think that it's, it's a little strong. And I keep going back to this, but I'll, I'll say it again. Kenny Payne's going to be fine. I know that there are people who are like, I, I hate this is happening with Kenny Payne. He's such a nice guy. He's, he's one of our own, all this stuff. Kenny Payne's going to be okay. I think that this is going to be a relief for Kenny Payne when it's over. I don't think he ever wants to sit in the first chair again. He's already very wealthy. He was paid very well at Kentucky. He was paid very well by the New York Knicks. He was paid very well by uh, Oregon when he was there. He's certainly been paid very well by UofL, and he's about to get more rich. When, when he gets fired, he's going to be fine. His kids are going to be fine. Generations of the Payne family are going to be fine. And guess what? It's not like he's radioactive at this point because he had a disastrous tenure as a head coach. I think everybody recognizes what he brings to the table as an assistant. Great with players. A lot of connections in, in the AAU world. A lot of connections in, in with Nike. He'll get hired by somebody else, whether it's at the NBA level or whether it's UK or another power conference program. Like, if he wants to coach again as an assistant, he will coach again as an assistant, and he'll be paid handsomely to do so. Kenny Payne will be just fine. Nobody should shed a tear for Kenny Payne. We should be upset that it didn't work out because it would have been like per- best case scenario is you have one of your a really well liked former player come in and resurrect your program. It didn't happen. It sucks. But Kenny Payne will be fine. Unfortunately, we don't get those two years back, and we get paid nothing for suffering through these two years. So it's hard for me to feel overly bad for Kenny Payne. He's going to be just fine. His whole family's going to be just fine. Texas says, while I, agree, while I agree with the this team has talent take, I'm not sure I want anyone back other than BHH, Tyler, and maybe Glenn as a bench piece. No team with Sky and Trey White as your one and two is winning many games. They're just not winning players. I definitely, I mean, if you're picking, if you if you're talking about guys that you want to come back for next year, I think the conversation clearly starts and ends with with BHH. I think Tyler is the second guy that you want back. Like a good coach can turn him into a really really good point guard. I would still want Curtis Williams back. I know he's not shooting it well. He's got a great stroke. I think that there are he's hit a freshman wall. And the lack of coaching, I think, is is not helping him. I would still want him back. I would want Caleb Glenn back. I don't think he's ready to be a starter on a really good team at, at this level. But I think he can compete. Outside of that, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. Uh, we got more time for text coming up in the five o'clock hour. We can also touch on a couple of different topics. We'll get you ready for tonight's women's game against Florida State as well. It's the five o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's up next here on fourteen fifty ninety six one, the Big X.
baby, baby, I'd get down on my knees for you. If you would only love me like you used to do. Yeah. It's a Top Gun feeling Thursday. Here on 1450, 961, The Big X, Mike Rutherford Show. Producer Roman, here as well. At Romy Bean on Twitter. Maybe don't follow him until he cleans up some stuff. It's okay. If you want to, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of reaction to last night's loss to Duke. It's, it's, the, it's the normal stuff. It's what you expect to hear. Text line blowing up, uh, loaded from start to finish. People mad. People talking about coaching candidates. People talking about all this stuff. Uh, we do have U of women's basketball in action tonight against Florida State. It's senior night. Cards honoring three seniors uh, who hopefully they can send out with a win over the Seminoles. Big chance for them to get things right after a couple of rough weeks and hopefully uh, you know, start playing some better basketball before we get to the postseason next week with the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament beyond that. 8 o'clock is the tip-off time. ACC Network has the TV coverage. We'll have the action for you on our sister station, 970 WGTK. We've also had, I mean, it's this is such a, a fun time of the year usually. You know, we, we, it's leap year day. March is tomorrow. Around here, that means college basketball talk. We've had high school basketball. The tournament's going on. I did see your 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 poor Atherton Ravens got beat at the buzzer by Seneca in the district semifinals the other night. Tragic, tragic. Uh, was, they've had a great season. Uh, they're looking for a winning record. They got beat at the buzzer by Seneca, uh, who will now play Trinity for the twenty seventh region title tonight. Uh, Eastern upset Ballard. I guess I guess it's an upset. Ballard's way down this year, but it's seventh region tournament next week should be a lot of fun. Sixth region tournament will be fun as well. We got David Levich over there at North Oldham, also uh, with, with a team that could win potentially a state title in the fifth re- or eighth region, or whatever region that Oldham County is playing. Who cares? Um, you move to, move to Jefferson County. Get real. Be real. I'm just joking, Oldham County people. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. I agree, though. Come on, grow up. But it's a it, it's a fun time of the year around here. It would be a lot more fun if we had a basketball team that was on the men's side. Talking about their NCAA tournament seeding, talking about their ACC tournament seeding, and not just uh, hey, like they've won eight games, they're going to be the last place in the ACC again, and then we're going to fire our coach in two weeks. But that's uh, you know, hopefully we're back in that uh, th- that discussion a year from now. It was depressing last night to see, uh, you know, we're getting our brains beat in by Duke, and then I flip on social media, flip on CBS Sports Network. And I see a lot of you know, UofL folks are attending the the St. John's Butler game at Hinkle Fieldhouse. You know, Luke Hancock's in the house there. Mike Maris, Stephen Van Trees, a bunch of the guys. Uh, Will Minardi, a bunch of the Patino family members are all down there in Indianapolis. It's kind of like a nice little reunion they're celebrating. And St. John's is just stomping an absolute, you know, whatever, in, in Butler, beating them by what, 23 points, 33 points, something like that, on their home floor. Absolute destruction. And it was just... You know, that's the way it's supposed to feel in March. We're supposed to have, like, it reminded me of the old times where we're hitting our stride. Rick is in full, just crazy boasting, saying weird stuff to get everybody motivated. He's he's ready to have the team playing their best basketball when it matters the most, and that's the way that it's supposed to be here. And, and we're sitting here talking about another 25-point loss to Duke, and it's just, uh, it's got to change, has to change, can't do another year of it, won't do another year of it. We've got to... To, to get this thing going because I can't do another 12 months of this radio. I certainly can't do another winter of this radio. It's killing me. Quite literally, it's killing me. <laughs> but, good Lord. 
It's, it's, it's just sad. Text lines 502-414-1450. We'll get back to you guys in just a second. Uh, we do have a couple other things going on in, in the world of uh, sports. First of all, tonight should be a good night for college basketball. We'll have some big X, big bets coming up at the end of this hour. Roman will give some uh, some big X uh, NBA bets to get you going. You 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 missed the Kyrie Irving part of your parlay, but did you hit the other three legs? Oh yeah. See. Oh yeah. Three out of four. He knows what he's doing. If you want to bet them individually, something funny happened. I texted TJ the bets last night, and I had a typo. Uh-huh. Well, not really a typo. My brain typed Steph instead of Kyrie, so he left that off thinking I meant Steph tonight because they play tonight. They, the Warriors didn't play last night, so he went three for three. There you go. Well, that works out well. Some guys have all the luck. TJ Walker and his UK <laughs> fandom, all the luck there. Uh, we are, uh, we, uh, we'll start this hour with something that was announced last hour, about half an hour ago. We now know the opponents for the 2024-2025 U of L men's basketball season in the ACC. You know, we, they had to redo the schedules because you've got Three newcomers coming in with Stanford, uh, Cal, and SMU all joining the conference. So here's here's who we're going to play next year in men's basketball with hopefully a very competent, very successful new head coach. The three teams that we will play twice, two of them aren't changing. You're still getting Virginia twice every single year. You're still getting Pitt twice this year. We will also play Florida State twice next season. So yeah, Virginia, you always expect them to be good. Even when they're not good, they're kicking our ass. Pitt and Florida State, yeah, yeah, kind of middle of the pack. Both coaches still still trying to, you know, Leonard Hamilton think on the downslope. Jeff Capel, is he ever going to get it going at Pitt, really? Um, we'll see. Home games for next year. We will play Cal at home. Nice little West Coast rivalry. Don't have to go to Berkeley. It's nice. We, we also will play Stanford at home. Don't have to go out to California at all next year. We will play Clemson, Duke, Miami, North Carolina, and Wake Forest at home as well. Look at us. Lucky schedule. This is about as, as forgiving a schedule as you could have asked for. You don't play Duke or Carolina on the road. Your repeat games are, are should be manageable. Cal and Stanford, you don't have to make the West Coast trip. No jet lag, yep. Away games, Boston College, Georgia Tech, NC State, Notre Dame, SMU, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech. So, I stand by my belief that if you get the right coach in here, he gets the right players out of the portal. You can be flirting with the NCAA tournament next year. I wholeheartedly believe that. I'm not predicting it because I need to see a roster first, but if he can bring back the best players from this year's team, bring in some key transfers from the portal, maybe bring over, I don't know where what coach we're talking about, maybe he's got some some signed players at his, his incoming freshman at his current program that he can bring with him to Louisville. If all that happens, <clears throat> you have the ability to be NCAA tournament good in year one. We've seen it happen in other programs. It can happen here. Now, the non-conference schedule, we'll figure out what exactly it's going to look like. We know we're going to play in, in the battle for Atlantis. That'll be three really tough games. You know you're playing Kentucky. I don't know how they're going to do the ACC-SEC Challenge next year. I guess, I mean, what they have, we'll have 18 teams. Do they have 18 now? Or are they, they're not at 20 yet. No. They're at 18. So we would, so we're in it, right? Like, the, the, yeah. we're, we're going to play in it next year. So you'll have a, an opponent from the SEC. I think we have to play Murray State next year. I think we have one year left to fulfill that obligation. Uh, the deal with Bellarmine, I believe, is done, so we won't have to play Bellarmine. I hope that they do play Bellarmine, uh, who right now is fighting for a spot in the Atlantic Sun tournament. They've got to win their last two games. I think they have a shot to make that happen. Um, so the, the non-conference schedule has a chance to be to be good, but this is about as friendly as a ACC schedule as you could ask for. 
So get the right coach. Let's make it happen. Uh, I want to see who does Duke – who are their, their three repeat opponents? They get uh, Carolina, of course, Wake Forest, and Miami. All right. That's that's a little weird. Not yeah, I mean you, you, the two I guess in state rivals. Carolina, I'm assuming has yeah, Duke yeah, and yeah. NC State. You gotta yeah, they yeah. do. They have Duke, NC State, and then Pitt is their third, which uh, you know, that that does feel weird. But got to keep the rivalries there. We we of course don't have like a real true ACC rival. They've tried to force Virginia down our throat. So Pitt, Virginia, whatever, Florida State, who cares? That, that's fine. We'll we'll deal with that. But those are the newly announced conference schedules for the upcoming season. I think the women's uh, conference schedule is going to be announced at some point in the relatively near future. I don't know if they've announced it. How do you feel about this? So I said I didn't like it when the Big Ten announced their conference tournament format. I didn't realize that we're going to do the exact same thing with our conference tournament next year. 18 teams in the league. Only 15 are going to play in the ACC tournament. So you're going to have the the, the bottom three teams aren't going to even get to go to Charlotte to play in the conference tournament. I, I mean... You were saying you don't like that. I don't like it. I mean, I I, I feel like the, the the great thing about March is every team gets to play until they lose. Some conferences have started doing this now. I get that there are budget reasons in, in there, but the ACC could very easily just have all eighteen teams play and not make it disadvantageous to the the top few seeds. Like make it so to where if you finish eighteenth in an eighteen team league, you got to win six games in six days. Like make it uh, absurd. Uh, you're right. Yeah, if you're gonna make a change like that, I agree. Make it make it absurd. But at the same time. It's going to make those ACC matchups intense. I guess. I, I, it I should. Mean, it should. It should make those games even more important. Yeah, the Big East did this for a while when we first joined the conference. We went from uh, – But, I, I, yeah, you're they, right. They only took 12 teams, and they ended up expanding it to to all, whatever it was, 16 when we were there, which at the time was the biggest league in all of college basketball. And I thought it was the right move. You know, you just – more basketball, more games – you know, no weird tiebreakers, especially this year where you, you know now like you're never going to be able to have a truly balanced schedule. Like, yeah, you've got you don't get to play everybody twice. The home and away games are gonna be staggered. Like, like we on paper should have a very easy schedule next year, but maybe that doesn't wind up being the case. And so then you don't even end up with a chance to play in this right. So like, ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Our four and sixteen or five and fifteen with that schedule could be totally different than somebody else's five and fifteen. And it would come down to a weird tiebreaker as to who would get to play in the tournament. Now, there's a very obvious solution. It's the same thing that we talk about when we talk about the NCAA tournament bubble. If you don't want to be, you know, left out, you have ample opportunity to win enough games to make the field of 68 teams. And if you don't want to be left out of the conference tournament, you have ample opportunity to not lose 16 or 17 conference games and get yourself sent home. I still just, I don't, I don't care for it. Let every team play. Let them play it out. If you need to make to put in an extra day, I'm sure you'll still find a way to make money off that. Don't do anything that hinders the like the top eight seeds. Like let them still. If you're seed five through eight, you have to win four games in four days. If you're a top four seed, you have to win three games in three days. Like keep it that way. But you make it as hard as you want on the bottom three seeds. But at least let them play. Yeah, give them a chance to have some magic. Why not? Just it's more basketball. Who, if they're that bad, it shouldn't matter. Uh, but that is the the setup for next season. It's still so weird to me talking about eighteen team leagues and and SMU and Cal being conference games and. That is so weird. It is so. I mean, granted, we you know we had, we had a nice little rivalry with SMU for one year in the AAC when you know, they were pretty good and 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 we were pretty good and we had that very heated game. Remember they they you know it was like the biggest game in SMU history when we went to their place. And that was before Samuelson went there. 
Yes, this like, was 2013-14. This was uh, oh yeah, this was way before oh, that. No, I don't remember this. You don't remember this? It, this was the the year after we won the national title. We played the one season in the American, and SMU was very good, and we were very good, obviously. And and they hosted us, and it was the like Tony Romo was there, George W. Bush was there, like wow. all the celebrities were there. My buddy, my best friend, he moved to Michigan since then, but he lived in Dallas at the time, and I was able to hook him up with with, with tickets for him and his friend, who are both U of L fans, like right behind the bench. And so he was there, and he was like, this is the most caustic, just contentious environment that I've ever been a part of. He's like, they're saying the most heinous things. And Russ Smith puked in a trash can right next to him and ended up hitting like seven threes, went off for 30 points. Trez dunked and yelled at the crowd at the very end of the game. It was crazy. So we had a nice little rivalry that one year, and I guess we're going to bring it back now. We're going we're gonna to play at SMU in that tiny arena, which is still pretty hostile. They're, they're an okay program. Not great historically, but in recent years, they've been, they've been okay. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sachs line. We'll go back to the text. We'll hear what you guys have to say. Text says, this is somebody's first text. I enjoy this. Who are your top candidates to replace Kenny, Kenny Payne? Uh, the most straightforward question of, of all time. Give me Jay Wright, uh, Billy Donovan, and the ghost of uh, Pat Riley. He's not dead, but bring it back. Why not? Uh, no. <laughs> we, 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 I mean, we, we've taught candidates enough. When, when the time comes when we have a realistic list, I, I will give the pros and the cons. In my opinion of everybody who's a realistic candidate. Texas says, I truly believe that, and this is not a diss at all, but Matt McMahon could take this team to the tournament. I think he could. I mean, look, I know Matt McMahon's agent. Um, I know he was trying to create a little buzz about himself for the Louisville job two years ago. I know he would take it now. I don't think he's hireable, but he's done a good enough job at LSU. You know, he, he, they, were, they were as bad as we were three years ago. When he got that job, and they came in last year and won a bunch of non-conference games, did not do well in the conference, and they've taken another step forward this year. They beat Kentucky; that was a huge win. Matt McMahon is a good coach. He did great things at Murray State. I think he'll end up being a very good coach at LSU, and he'll probably be able to parlay that into a slightly bigger job. I don't think you can hire him at Louisville right now, but I agree with your text. I think that he could. He certainly could do a lot better with this team than Kenny Payne has. Texas says. Uh, Mike and Roman, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to text Scoots, suck it for me, from Scoots Hater. Oh, well, Scoots knows. He's listening, I'm sure. <laughs> we can text him that. Texas, which should Josh Hurd consider more important when conducting the coaching search, regular season success or postseason success? I mean, I, I think you have to take both into account. I would, I would lean more towards regular season success just because coaches learn – postseason success differently you know that's 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 more based on the organization you're at you're the coach's postseason success more times than not unless they're an older guy and so much of postseason success is just based on luck yeah like you can be you know shaka smart has had a ton of uh of of postseason heartbreak since that initial run at vcu he took the vcu is the first year that they did, they did the first four and he took vcu from the first four to the final four as, as an 11 seed it's not like he was just that much better of a coach in 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 2011 than he has been for the, the the 13 years since then. It's not like he was a better coach then than the guy that that led Marquette to Big East regular season and tournament titles last year, but got beat by Michigan State in the second round. A lot of it is just matchups, and, and some of it is luck. Having said that, I do think there's kind of like we were talking about earlier with the analytics versus the eye test and all that stuff. I think there's something to be said for guys that just don't seem to handle the brightest lights that well. 
I mean, we'll see. You know, the biggest example is right now is Rick Barnes at Tennessee, who is one in twelve against better seeded teams in the NCAA tournament. Has not taken Tennessee despite all of their regular season success past the Sweet Sixteen yet. Went to one Final Four at Texas, and then since then, I don't think has been past the Sweet Sixteen. Couldn't get Kevin Durant out of the first round of the NCAA tournament at Texas. There's something to be said for that. At some point, it stops being just this statistical anomaly, and it winds up being a character trait, and it has to be considered when you're at a place like Louisville where you expect to be not just be in the NCAA tournament, but playing deep into the NCAA tournament. So I would lean more towards regular season success just because there are coaches out there that can have some fluky run. Like Kevin Ollie won a national title at UConn. Wasn't a good coach. Doesn't deserve more credit than he should get for, for having one fluky run as a seven seed. That stuff can happen. But I think both have to be considered. Texture says, say what you will about having family ties here, but the reason that Nolan is here is because he knew Shire was getting the job at Duke and he wouldn't retain him, so he made the move here to save face. I, I, I can't say for certain that that's the case. I know you're not the first person to say that. I don't. Maybe. Certainly possible. I don't know what Shire's thoughts were with his staff. I, I don't know. I mean, some people have said that Nolan was mad that he didn't get the head coaching job. Nolan was never going to get the head coaching job at Duke. He'd been, he'd been on the full-time assistant staff for one year. He'd been on the staff for, for a few seasons, but he'd been a full-time assistant for just that one season. So you're not going to give – Shire was, was Coach K's right-hand man, and even then it seemed a little bit strange that he was getting the job over some more proven head coach who were still from La Familia. Um, I, I don't know what John was going to do as far as Nolan if he wanted to stay on or if Nolan did and he was kind of told, not going to happen, we're not going to say that, maybe just go find somewhere else. I, I don't honestly, I don't know what the future holds for Nolan Smith. I know that he's he's – connected with some people but doesn't seem to have a great reputation for a lot of people they just it's he's in a weird spot for sure texture says i'm not going to pretend that last night changed anything but i was definitely more frustrated than i have been in a long time especially when kenny put trey white in to shoot the technical free throws i know it's bad but that just showed me how clueless pain really is i i did make mention of that last night i thought it was strange you've got um you the technical on duke and at that point, it's still a, a relatively close game. I think it was like 23 to 15. And you didn't have Mike. Mike James was not on the floor, who's a really good free throw shooter. You did have Tyler Johnson on the floor, who's an even better free throw shooter. Tyler Johnson is, is our best free throw shooter, 85%. James is, is behind him. Sky Clark is 76 and a half. And then sixth on the list for the team is Trey White, who shoots at a, about a 75% clip. Almost 10 points percentage points lower than Tyler Johnson. And yet Trey White was the guy that, that Kenny Payne sent to the line. Misses two. <laughs> and it, like just little stuff like that. What are you doing? Send your best free throw shooter to the line to shoot technical free throws. I just don't get it. I I mean, I get it. It's He's, he's not good at what he does. That <laughs> That's the long and short of it. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um by the way, after last night, Sky Clark is now our leading scorer for the season. Mike James is, is down to third leading scorer. Every, nobody averages more than 13.2 points, which is Sky Clark. Trey White, 13.1 points. Mike James, 12.9. And Brandon Holly Hatfield, 12.4. In case anybody was wondering. 
Texture says, Mike, if we are going to talk about player regressions and not improving throughout the season, the big sore thumb that sticks out to me is Curtis Williams. It's been a month since that FSU game. He has three total points in our last five games with 90 minutes played. He can't buy a bucket. There's no question about it. I, I think what Curtis is going to have to do, because I like the stroke still. I think he looks like he's he's a shooter. He just He's, he's not a maker right now. He also finishes well enough um, when he gets to the rim. The issue for him is he's not, and, and he was, this was his billing coming in. He's not quick. He his lateral quickness is bad. To quote Rick Pitino, he doesn't really know what he's doing defensively. I think he tries defensively. I think like like a lot of the guys, he just isn't sure what, how to play defense, and he's bad at, at defense. And when the outside shot's not falling right now, there's really no pivot for him. There's nothing else that he can do. He's going to have to get better at handling the ball, using the pump fake to to create a mid-range game or to get to the basket where, like I said, he's pretty good at finishing, but the ball handling right now is not good. The quickness is going to have to get better. I still think he can be a really good college player. He's smooth. The outside shot is going to start falling again at some point, but he could use a boost in confidence right now. He's been he's been bad. There's, there's no way around it. Texas says, William Byron has been driving professionally for 10 years and started in lower levels. The similar story isn't really accurate. Have I been lied to by the national news? Apparently, I heard I heard that story. Though. Yeah, I think mean, everybody I mean, has. Well, I guess we'll have to get the facts. Who knows what the facts are? Don't trust the mainstream media, Roman. Yeah, Texas says the only thing that I will miss about Kenny Payne era is the VIP status that I get at the Yum Center. No lines to get in, no lines for concessions, no lines for the bathroom, and no traffic to head home. Watching a team lose has never been so convenient. Yeah, there's certainly. If you want to go to a game, it's an easy in and out. A lot easier than it has been in the past. It also is. It's another reason why this isn't just about purely basketball. From a business perspective, Louisville can't afford another year of Kenny Payne. You know, you've got you go up to the upper level of the Yum Center on a game night, even a good game night, even when you're you're playing Carolina, you're playing somebody good. Not only do you have very few people in the stands up there, but all the concession stands, they're not even employing people to work the concession stands at the upper levels because there's no need to. We're, we're hemorrhaging money because we're so bad at basketball and because nobody's showing up to these games. And the tough thing now is when you lose those fans that are, are, are showing up on a night-to-night basis because it's just in their DNA, it's what they've always done, it's a lot tougher to get them back into the fold than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Attendance at, at sporting events across the country is down. And keeping people, keeping season ticket holders is a lot easier than trying to bring them back. Like, There's no guarantee that even if this thing gets rolling again, when this thing gets rolling again, that we're going to get back to the, the days of old where it was like you knew you were going to have at least 19,000, 20,000 people at every single game. Didn't matter who you were playing. Didn't matter what the weather was. Didn't matter how the team was playing. Like You were just going to get that. I, I think best case scenario, because you saw it start to fall off, even with Chris Mack's teams that were pretty good at the beginning. The attendance numbers were still falling off from the David Padgett season on. And you'll obviously see a big uptick, a nice little boost if the team is surprisingly competitive next year with a new head coach. But I, I think even that will level out at some point. And so you've got to get back to making as much money as you possibly can as quickly as you can. And that means no Kenny Payne. Because if Kenny, Kenny could bring in 
all these five stars that we're talking about there. He could, he could get everybody. He could have a big transfer portal class. People still aren't going to believe it, and people still aren't going to show up if he's the head coach next year. They're just not. You're, you know, the first game, whoever we play, even with a loaded roster and maybe some added expectations, you're still only going to have like seven or 8,000 people at that game tops. It's not going to change unless he wins at a, at, a, at a really high level, and it's why you just cannot afford to bring him back. Even with the buyout, even with having to pay another head coach, it, the, the smart financial situation is still to cut ties with Kenny Payne as soon as you possibly can. It just is. Texas says, we did do as badly as we could. I love that line. We did, we did what we do as badly as we could. I love that line. It uh, feels like a, a game-by-game quote. Every single game. <laughs> We're doing uh, what we do as badly as we can. Texas says, I'm so tired of the, well, Kenny Payne is a nice guy statement. That needs to be mentioned whenever he's discussed. It's like hearing a friend trying to justify a crappy relationship and always starting with, well, he's a nice guy. Congrats. You're nice. You've done the bare minimum. Nice and good are not the same thing, and he's not good to the fans, the players, the media, the community, and this university. He can pull a purpose and never come back to the city for all I care. I kind of stand with you. I mean, there's there's a long-running joke about you know, when a coach sucks in college basketball or college football, that they're a great guy, that they're a good guy. Tyson Tate, when they had their podcast together, they would have a good guy of the week, which basically meant like who was ever the crappiest coach of the week. He's a good guy. He's a great guy, but he's... You feel like you have to preface the statements criticizing their coaching with they're a good guy to kind of cushion the blow and to acknowledge that you're not heartless. And the reality is you know that it doesn't matter. Like It doesn't matter if you're a good guy. If you can't coach, you're done. And I do bring up the fact that I've heard, because he's a human being, and I have heard that from people at UofL and from people that have worked with Payne about how nice he is. If I hadn't heard those things, though, and all I had to go off of was the way that he's dealt with the media and the things that he said publicly during these last two years, I'd be like, I don't know if he's that nice. <laughs> I don't know if he's that good of a guy. He doesn't seem to be handling this w- with any sort of grace. And, and I still stand with you. Like I just don't, When this is over, I don't want to think about Kenny Payne. I don't want to hear about Kenny Payne. I want to pretend Kenny Payne never existed for at least a little bit of time. I just, I need a complete break. This is like, you, I'll do the thing where you compare sports to relationships. This is like the breakup where you delete all their social media, you unfriend them on Facebook, you unfollow them on Instagram, you block them on Twitter, you do whatever you have to have to just put them completely out of your mind. Take your number out. You can't associate with anybody who's still friends with them. You just don't want them in any segment of your life. That's the way that I'm going to feel when this break happens. I just I I need a complete split, total blank slate in my, slate in my mind, to move on to whatever's next. And I think that that's it's healthy, honestly. We'll take a break. We'll get to as many texts as we can in the final segment, and then we'll make some picks for the games uh, tonight on the slate in both NBA and the college. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Wraps up next here on the Big Eyes. at 11 a.m.
All right, final segment here of the Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1415-961, the Big X. I just saw during the break that uh, Iowa superstar Caitlin Clark has announced that she will be entering the 2024 WNBA draft following the season at Iowa. She technically had another year of eligibility to use if she wanted to because of the COVID year situation, uh, but she's not going to do that. She's going to enter the WNBA draft. Seems likely to go with the number one overall pick, which belongs to the Indiana Fever. So no more Caitlin Clark uh, college basketball coming up this year, next year. Don't hate it. I love what she's done for women's basketball. I love watching her. I'm not the biggest fan personally. I didn't like, didn't like the way she handled stuff herself against Louisville last year. Just didn't like it. Didn't care for it. Didn't like it at all. I didn't either. Well, I'm just not, I'm not a big fan. Got a little ego on her. She kind of. I've said it before. There's just something that annoys me about it, or about her that annoys me. Just not the, love watching her play. Love her game. Just kind of annoys me. Sorry. But she is going to the WNBA draft after this year. That's fine. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We're going to get through as many of these texts as we can, and then we will look ahead to the night on the hardwood in both the NBA and college basketball and give you some picks and some uh, some, some Roman big bets. It's a, it's a West Coast-centric night in college basketball tonight. Uh, not a lot of big games, but there are a couple to circle. Keep, keep, keep your eye on. I should have worn my wore my St. John's hoodie. I could have worn my San Francisco stuff. Go Dons. Hosting Gonzaga tonight. Have a chance to put Gonzaga's bubble hopes to, to rest with a big win at the Chase Center. We'll see what happens. Texture says, 502-414-1450. Considering how awful the Lions and the Reds have been for the majority of your life, the best NBA team for you to root for would be the Hawks or the Hornets. Yeah. Why? Because they're like the lowest of the low. Oh, okay. The Hornets probably is the best bet. And they've always been terrible since like the early '90s. They just they've been bad. The best thing the Hornets have going for them is the '90s starter jacket. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that is true. They got a. I mean, they got a cool colorway. I wouldn't even say good, but it can be a cool colorway at times. Kendall Gill's uh, cameo in My Brother and Me, classic Nickelodeon show. That was about it too. That was the the, the peak of Hornets uh, stardom. Was the starter jacket and Kendall Gill going on My, my Brother and Me. That was great. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to pick an NBA team, that would that would be fitting. Although the Lions now rising like a phoenix at the top of the NFC North. Uh, the Reds poised to be contenders in the A lot of young talent Central. on that Reds team. Oh, so fun to watch. So excited about it. Uh, I'm, I'm already debating with my friends in the Reds text group about it. I'm just not – I'm not big on Jonathan India. I think why? I'm not either, but why? Because he's not good at baseball. <laughs> That's my, my biggest complaint with him. He sucks defensively. His OPS was the same as Kevin Newman's last year against left-handed pitching, and he hit, uh, I think, 212 after coming back from injury and 251 for the season. So, can't hit, can't field, and we got. He, you think he had like a, you know, a peaking rookie year? I do. I, I think that he gets a lot of love because he's like the captain of the team. He's a good leader, great, uh, great clubhouse guy. I just don't think that he's great at, at, at baseball. I think that's the only reason he's back. I do too. How many teammates wanted him? I wish they'd gotten rid of him. And you also you can't trade a guy who has his statistical profile for like really good quality starting pitching when you play in a ballpark like Cincinnati does. Yeah. I'm already all in Heimer uh, Candelario. Like I, I think that he's going to be the guy that I love this year. Isn't he a reliever? No, he's an infielder. Like we, we got him from the Cubs. Oh, we have like 50 infielders. Who's you guys signed a reliever? I thought we signed a couple from the Twins. Yes. Uh, well, we we signed uh, Frankie Montas first, uh, and, and then we got the. Um, um, oh God! Uh, I thought his last name started with a C. Emilio Pagan from from the. Oh no, no that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the, the the Twins. He's he can throw steam. He can. We're paying a ton of money to be like our eighth inning guy. Yeah, probably. you better not get hurt. But like people are like all upset about the contract, and I've said said it so many times. 
you have to overpay to get pitchers to come and pitch so, at Great American yeah, Ballparks. So pitching, yeah, that's the, you're gonna have to overpay because of anybody. the because of the sunlight. Because it's so small. Oh, it, it's it, the the ball jumps out of the park there. Oh, it's easy to hit home runs there. A lot of home runs. A lot a lot of runs scored that is place. There, isn't there a couple stadiums that aren't aren't good for the eyes for pitching or make it harder to or no batting? They say batting's harder at some places. I'm sure. Like, like Houston used to have sunlight problems every now and then. Uh, I'm sure there are some parks that hitters just don't like, but people don't like to pitch in Cincinnati. So if you want them to come here, it's significantly small. Well or pay them a ton of money. It's it's small for sure. I didn't know that. I just got into baseball in June last year, so there you go. For for someone who just started, in, you know, watching and investing in June, I'm pretty, you know, knowledgeable already. Like with no, not I couldn't tell you what an RBI was this time last year. Look at you, and uh, you know, I know I know a pretty good amount now. You'll figure out a lot more this summer. We'll talk about it on the show. Um, hop on the Reds bandwagon. It's a good time to do, to make it happen. A lot of a lot of fun. Well, I'm already on the. I'm already. I'm already. Otani is the reason I'm following. This uh, okay. so I'm already on him. I'm following along. Yeah. I saw he, uh, wait, wait, he revealed that he got married today. Really? Recently, yes. So I got his first home run yesterday, the day before. His first home run. Henry Davis, uh, former UofL draft pick, uh, number one draft pick, who gave us the, the Henry Davis locker room yesterday. Hit a home run today for the Pirates in spring training. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you do good things for UofL. Is he, was he, like, great at UofL? Yes. Okay. He, he was very, very good. He stayed for a long time? Stayed for three years. He left after his junior year and was the number one overall pick uh, by the Pirates. He was very, very good. What about Will Smith? Were they teammates? No, Will Smith was before him. Okay. We, we're kind of like catcher you. We've produced a lot of big-time That's catchers. That's what I've heard. Louisville's known for their catchers the last few years. Uh, Will Smith, local boy, played at KCD. And, uh, went, went to I love the, watching him play now. He's great. He's, he's like, I obviously fantastic. learned who he was watching the Dodgers, but I love him. It is crazy that he has become like the best MLB player out of that group, like Brennan McKay was one of the best college baseball players of all time. Corey Ray was 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 a top ten pick, and you talked all about these guys and how great they're going to be at the next level. And Will Smith was kind of like, eh, lower first round, kind of a surprise first round pick, and he's been uh, he's one of the fifty best players in baseball right now. I would say he's he's terrific. Texture says, "Can you put the Mike Rutherford guarantee on KP getting fired?" Ooh, I can't. Come on, I can't. I, I, I the the guarantee is sacred. It's when I know anything, but like keep it sacred. Then I, 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 I like that. Keep it sacred. Then I gave, like I said earlier, like ninety nine percent, and I feel that that's not a guarantee, but it's pretty damn close. Because you know, crazy stuff can happen in these situations. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Like everything that I've heard indicates that he's going to get fired, and that there's it's it's done, and everybody kind of knows it's done. But who knows if something just wild happens that I can't predict like that's you know it's different than that we're gonna win five games or we're gonna beat famu or lamar's gonna win the highest when people were freaking out about that towards the end of 2016 um th- those were guarantees that i could really put my name behind i can't 100 percent put my name behind this one i wish i could texture says uh how long after the season ends would you start to get nervous if Kevin kenny hasn't been fired it depends i mean i mean if there's legitimate if, if it goes like a week and there's legitimate buzz that this isn't because of the buyout, then yeah, I would start to get a little bit nervous. But if it's April, yeah, if it, if April first, if he's oh, if he's the coach, but if he's still the coach on like April second, then we're done. Like, like <laughs> we're not running well. this thing back yeah, for a third year. Well. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to. I, we, we will know. There's no way. We we will know whether it's directly or indirectly within the first like three days after we lose in the conference tournament. What's going on? Like if they haven't fired him, like there will like Josh will let it be known. If they're just keeping around for the buyout, which I've been told again is not going to happen, if it does, 
he'll let it be known. It will leak out. We will have an idea for sure. Texture says, uh, Scoot's texted in, said, YouTube camera is an element of the show that I don't think Roman knows yet, does he? The YouTube camera's coming next week. We talked about it yesterday. I, I, I filled him in on it. There's also Trey from WBNA, not Ryan, mentioned something about doing promos in front of that slick-looking WJIE backdrop. Cool. We beat the old Mike Rutherford show promos that ran on the, the WB, where I was just like sitting in the radio station, just like <laughs> we class it up a little bit. Texture says, "Hey Mike, there's a rivalry I think you should be made aware of." Okay. I'm a part of the U of L men's club volleyball program, and our main rival in the conference is Dayton. Every single time we play, I think of you, and I call it the Rutherford Rumble. But nobody else knows what I'm talking about. We are currently one and one against them this year after we lost the conference title game to them after sweeping UK in the semis. I love the show and go cards. I did go to Dayton, um, so I, I enjoy the Rutherford Rumble. But even when I was at Dayton, I was a U of L fan first. That was one of the, the the strange things having to explain to people about. You didn't go to U of L. I didn't. Well, I went to U of L law school for one year. That's my only contribution to U of L's, uh, you know, money wise, financially. I went to Dayton and then I finished up at Bellarmine. Then went to U of L law school for a year. But at Dayton, you know, I, like I went there with like four or five of my closest friends, and we all, I think all of us, but one, were like diehard U of L fans. And so at Dayton, it's, you have a lot of people from big cities, namely Chicago, and they're. Like they, they were shocked that like we would cheer for U of L over Dayton if they played. They're like this is your school. Like how could you do that? And I would be like, well, you, like you're a, a diehard Cubs fan. You wouldn't start cheering for the Reds just because you moved a little bit closer to Cincinnati than you than you were to Chicago. They're like no, I'm like well that's it's the same thing for us. Like we don't have pro sports teams. These are our pro sports teams. You don't lose them just because you go to a different school or you go to a different different area. And it was fun. Like I mean, I would say like almost all of my best U of L fan friends didn't go to L, which is just I think it's changed a lot now in the last few years has become more of an attractive option for local people uh, but like when I was coming out of high school like you just like not many people went to L. like you wanted to get away you wanted to even if it was just to go to, to Lexington or to go to Murray State or go to somewhere you just kind of wanted to get away because going to L meant you had to live at home and do all this stuff and now it's, uh, it's more of an on-campus feel and a lot more people I think stay home at L, which is great I enjoyed it yeah I mean I think a lot of people do well actually I didn't live with my parents while I was at L, but See a lot of, and, and now that there's more on campus living, like more people spend time on campus. But back then, it had this reputation of, of being a commuter school. I'm showing my age because that was definitely the reputation like 20 years ago when oh, I was yeah. coming people, out of high school. People get all, like people, local people buy their own houses and stuff down there now, and like living down there. Trey Ryan from Cluckers, me he's, he's, Second Street. Yeah, he's 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 buying houses down there. He's living. I'm not buying, but I'm renting right on well, next to Manual. There you go. Good place to be. Texas says literally every player who has played for KP has gotten worse. I don't agree. I think Brandon Holly has yeah, gotten better. He's gotten better. For think, sure. I think Tyler has gotten better from the start of this season. I think Tyler has gotten better. I don't know how much of that is coaching. Yeah, true. With Huntley Hatfield, I think you can point to him and say, like, there are, are, are areas where he has very clearly improved from where he was a year ago. And I don't know how much of the credit belongs to Kenny Payne, but you can't just gloss over that. Like, he's, he's definitely gotten better. Texas, my wife also wanted to watch Love is Blind instead of the game, and I was like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> Texas, I'm resending it since you missed it. We need some positivity, so I just wanted to brag on my kids at Jeff High for a minute. They are so hardworking and can handle anything that the school or life throws their way. They make me very proud every week. There you go. That's a good, positive, uplifting text for the day. 
Shout out to the Texture students at Jeff High. We love you. Texture says, I also watched Love is Blind instead of the game on the big TV. I watched it on my phone. Look at the Love is Blind love on the uh, the text line today is out of control. A lot of support for Love is Blind. J- Roman, do you have a like a guilty pleasure TV show, trash TV that you like? Grey's Anatomy. Okay. I could tell you, you know, I love it. Watched it twice. You're from that 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 era. We we talked about this a few weeks ago. Where, I've got like, a few like that. Like, like kids, I don't want to call you a kid, but like like people who are in their twenties now, are like like their favorite shows are shows that are like off the air that have been on air for a long time that they can binge watch on Netflix. Like Suits is the most watched show on Netflix. Just now. finished it a couple months. ago. There you go. Like see, like it, loved it, it. It's a new era that like I, I just I, I can't really relate to. But that's like I hear a lot of Grey's Anatomy. I hear a lot of Suits now. It's just it, it's weird to me. I've got some weird ones though. I've got like. You know, One Tree Hill, the basketball Familiar centered. The, the first few seasons are more basketball centered while they're still in high school. Two uh, half brothers, uh, drama. I liked that one a lot, but it was com- corny. Um, what else? There's one more. I've got Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl shouldn't okay. be saying that on the internet, probably. You're, free, you're fine. I mean, I, I've I've already mentioned my love for like the OC back in the day in Laguna Beach. Those were like the Gossip Girls in the One Tree Hills, yeah, like yeah, ten yeah. years before your time. Um, so like we're in the same boat there. Texas, come on, Mike. We all know your friend who reports for another sport now is Jeff Greer. Tell Jeff he needs to come back and be in misery with us for the next two weeks. Got to be in the pit of agony to enjoy the come up more. Was not Jeff Greer. Griff, uh, Greer doesn't even write uh, for. He's not covering teams. Anymore. He's working for for Lou City. I mean, I call him out now. It was Brett Dawson. <laughs> he was the the beat writer for for U of L for a couple of years. And now he's back covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was the one I was talking about. Texas, do you have any conference realignment insider info? No. Do not. None. It sucks. Texture says, um, Mike, are you going to Tailspin? Tailspin Elf, I will not be going to Tailspin Elf Fest. Uh, Texture says, how high uh, level of NBA player would this current team need to get to a national championship? Interesting question. Could Interesting. LeBron lead this Louisville team to a national title? No. I don't think so either. But there's that's a weird that's a weird one because I think Steph Curry would have a better chance than LeBron. Maybe. You know, just that, that that's a mid-range shot for Curry. Like, that three pointer at the top of the key, he, he, you know, you couldn't stop him. But I think you know, at the end of the day, like a Giannis, yeah, you know, some freak, some freak, Wemby could lead this team, could get close to the tournament. Yeah, Wemby, <laughs> some somebody could get close. Two of them. Now that now you're talking. Two of them. Now you're talking. If you put sure. two two NBA All Stars on the, this Louisville team, I think they. I think that I still wouldn't guarantee a win, God, a, so a, a championship win. It's Isn't such, that crazy? It's it's crazy, but it's, I feel the exact same way. Texas, Kenny Payne has great connections. Would have loved to have seen that here. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Texas, I guess my advice for impatient people after Louisville loses in the conference tournament would be to expect Kenny to be fired by Friday of conference tournament week, maybe even sooner. Then if it's a guy like Cronin, Muss, or Tang, we should have that coach before the NCAA tournament starts. If the tournament starts and we still don't have a coach, that probably means it's probably not going to be announced until Baylor, Alabama, FAU, or Creighton loses so just everyone breathe deeply and enjoy this process. Make it fun for yourself and don't stress yourself out. Tune into the Mike Rutherford Show every day to enjoy the process as a group. I think that's the great plan. Great plan. You laid it out perfectly. I also don't think that we're going to have a lot of like people are talking about Ohio State coming in and swooping in our coach. I, mean, I think they're going to hire Sean Miller. I know Sean Miller is, is saying like he's not taking the job and he's staying here for the long haul. He's putting out statements. I, I still think it's going to be Sean Miller or Dusty May, who I don't think we're particularly interested in. Like I maybe Dusty May has a crazy run and winds up being our coach. I don't think that it's that's going to happen. But like I, I don't think that we're going to wind up 
overlapping with who we were going after. Texas, after visiting Disney World, Mike, what is your most overrated Disney movie or character? Ooh, great question. Overrated Disney movie. I got one. Okay. You go. I don't I'm not positive it's Disney. <laughs> okay. Great Mulan? Mulan is Disney. Okay. I'm not the biggest Mulan fan. People anyway. acted like Mulan was like a, a, a human, you know, like the world was getting better when Mulan came out. Yeah, I, Mulan was when I started to like not be big at a Disney movie anymore. Like Pocahontas kind of started to lose me and then Mulan lost me. And then I was I was just getting too old at that point to, to really be into the movies. I, I wasn't, I mean, I'm trying to think of overrated character. I mean, I like all the big ones. Snow White. Yeah, going back. No, no, no. Cinderella, I'm sorry. Cinderella's iconic. She got lucky. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I'm sure that there are some. If we had more time, I would dive more deeply into this. I wasn't as big of a Little Mermaid fan as a lot of people I did not were. like the Little Mermaid. I think I was the one kid in my kindergarten class. I remember, they gave us a choice of, of picking the Little Mermaid to watch on free whatever day uh, in the Jetsons movie. And I, and I vividly remember being like one of two kids, being like, I want the Jetsons movie. I was totally outvoted but i wasn't the biggest fan but my, my daughter loves ariel and loves little mermaid so i feel like i kind of like it texture says uh, i wish the bottom three didn't make it this year we could fire kenny three to four days earlier we could I mean, we wouldn't hate it it's the wrong year to have teams excluded from the the acc tournament texas forget mick is the pick give the reins to ross McMains. no we're not bringing ross back we're not running it back Texas, not sure if you read this earlier. Uh, I had to go into a meeting, but we all need to be prepared to be even more annoyed. Uh, as, yeah, we, we read, we, we did read your text. Texas, Oates gave Beard that work on his home floor. P.S. Did Bose release that article yet on the technical foul shooter reasoning? He has not. We have not heard from, from Rick on that. He hasn't been given a reason yet. He has not. <laughs> Texas says, uh, Scoots might be en route to the bleep list if he don't call me back. I don't even know who that's from, but it's somebody who knows Scoots. And Scoots, call that person back, please. Texture says, I heard Muscleman is done. Never believe everything is done until it is. But any thoughts? I'm assuming that's all coming from the Trilly Donovan thing. Uh, Trilly Don- we've, we've talked about the show at this point. Trilly Donovan posted on his Discord a, a couple weeks ago that Muscleman to Louisville is done. I, that, that's not my – my understanding is there's nothing that's done. I, and I don't, I don't think that anything's done. I could be wrong. You know, I, don't, I, I don't think that that's the case. Mick – I mean, you get Brom, bring Brom home guy saying Mick is done. Nothing's done. There's no coach locked in right now. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Texture says, so you're saying uh, you won't be wearing a cape to honor KP, not even for a day, perhaps on the anniversary of his last day as a co- coach, KP day. I'll, I'll wear a cape for that, sure. Texas, the SEC is at 16 next year and we're at 18. Two teams will get left out of the challenge. Well, that's I mean, we may not play an SEC team again next year. Texas question for Roman is the NBA better now or in the 1980s and 90s? Easy, easy question. The NBA itself is better then. The players are significantly better now. I agree with that. I think you're right. Well, it's not, I mean, I don't think there's really any debate. The players are better now. Yeah, I mean, and then I I do like that. Like the average player gets more money than the average player back then, but that's just the test of time. But yeah, the way the NBA was set up. The, the the amount of fight that the average player had, um, the amount of physical physicality you could have, all of it. Texas, you said yesterday that you could never imagine the Louisville football team having more wins than the men's basketball team. I actually predicted it in August 22 that it would happen. 
Here's a text you can scroll back to confirm. I think you've you've you've, you've sent this before, and you you did you nailed it. Uh, like I think a couple people made the prediction, and I was like, "There's no way," but you, congrats, like you absolutely nailed it. Texas, oddly enough, I also watched Love Is Blind with my wife instead. There you go, another one. Texas, I started uh, turning turning your back on Disney after Mulan and Pocahontas. Not a good look, Mike. J.K. Obviously, I did say that out loud, and I was like, "That that sounds terrible." I was just getting too old. It was nothing about the ethnicities of the of the movie. Actually, the Muscleman info was not from Trilly. It was a local connection. Well, I mean, th- like, there's been buzz about Muscleman for a while. I don't think that any of it, I'm not saying that he's out, but the, the, the notion that it's a done deal, I don't think is is legit at all. Um, I mean, there was buzz about Dusty May a couple of weeks. There's been buzz about Dust, uh, Nate Oates the last couple of weeks. Who knows how much of it is legitimate? Who knows uh, uh, how much of it is just smoke? But it's everywhere. Texas, don't forget to send the Big X Big Bets. All right, let's do uh, Big X Big Bets. I've got one in college hoops real quickly that I want to get to. I hate doing this if you don't want to bet on it just because you feel icky doing so. I understand it. But Memphis is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite over East Carolina. Uh, They're playing for their NCAA tournament lives. They're going to win. They're going to win by more than three-and-a-half points. Take the Tigers. I loved that. Minus three-and-a-half. I I liked Memphis first half money line tonight. There you go. All right, Roman, you've got NBA big bit, big big X big bets. Hit us. NBA big X big bets of the day. I like Brandon Miller of the Charlotte Hornets to score 15 plus points. He averages a little around 17. I like Stephen Curry tonight to have those four plus assists. Kevin Durant, Phoenix Suns, 25 plus points going up against the Rockets in Phoenix. And then lastly, finals rematch. In Denver, I like the Denver Nuggets money line over Miami Heat. So Brandon Miller, 15-plus, Steph Curry, 4-plus assist, Kevin Durant, 25-plus, and Nuggets money line. Boom. Wrap it up. Now, do you recommend betting those individually, or are you just going to parlay them? Uh, those are all odds to, to 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 suit a parlay. You know, none of those lines are their set line, which is why, I be, like, why I'm willing to parlay. I'm like, Brandon's line is 17-and-a-half. Steph's is 5-and-a-half. KD is 26 and a half, right? So I'm I'm teasing them all down one to two of the prop, and I parlay it. Now, like Steph's line, five and a half assist, his his set line is plus money. Now that's a lovely straight bet spot, right? But four assists, he should get that. Knicks defend well, away game. He's gonna get trapped, double teamed a few times. He'll have to have to get the assist. Okay. I like that. Uh we have three ranked teams in action in college basketball tonight. I actually like bets on two of these games. Uh, USC and Bronny James, uh, who now is being talked about as, can he get drafted next year? I'm like, he's averaging four points a game. Let's look at be a college basketball player. They're on the road taking on Washington State, who looks like they're going to make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2008. I think Wazoo covers the 7.5 tonight. They're 7.5-point favorites. I think they're going to blow out USC. Uh, USC is kind of packed in a little bit. I know that they beat UCLA in their rivalry game over the weekend. They're not going to show up tonight. Washington State, 7.5. And then Gonzaga on the road in the Chase Center taking on the USF Dons. I'm a Dons, I'm a tertiary Dons fan. I got a, a friend who works for their uh, their athletic department. They send me member stuff, and look, I can be bought if you send me your 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 college's gear. I become a fan of your team, and I'm not just saying this because I am a Dons fan. I think Gonzaga covers tonight. I think they actually have. A, I mean, I think San Francisco covers tonight. I think they have a good chance of winning. But take uh, take San Francisco plus three and a half against Gonzaga tonight. Big game for the Zags and their NCAA tournament hopes. Enjoy the hoops tonight. Make some money. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Have a fantastic Thursday. Go Cards.